Hey, Bastin. Jay and Silent Bob are coming to raid your fridge, smoke your weed, and make you laugh hysterically while they do it. How do you like them apples? Friday, October 7th at the Wilbur Theater. Catch Jay and Silent Bob get old. Grab your tickets now by clicking on the link at csmod.com. So, you're saying, yo, sir, dude, I love sir, and I want to show the world. Wear your sir love with our official t-shirts, biatch. Fishies have no eyes. Let us fuck. Jay and Silent Bob get old. The Garmy. There's also posters, action figures. There's so many to choose from. Grab your smirch at smodcast.com. Scroll down and click on Smerchandise. Catch live video clips of Jay and Silent Bob Get Old and Hollywood Babylon on the Kevin Smith blog for the Huffington Post. Huff.to slash Kevin Smith blog. That's Huff.to slash Kevin Smith blog. Yo, Red Bank, New Jersey. Jay and Silent Bob are gonna snooch to your motherfucking nooch. I don't even know what that means. Jay and Silent Bob get old. Live at the Count Basie Theater on October 8th. Special guest, tell them Steve Day. Get your tickets at CountBasieTheater.org. Jay and Silent Bob get old. Live at the Count Basie Theater, October 8th in Red Bank. Word. Want early access to tickets for Smodcast Internet Radio's metric fuckton of live shows? Join Smodcast. For just $4.99 a month, you'll get CD-quality audio of every podcast you hear on Sir ad-free. It's like watching porn without having to fast-forward through that goddamn plot. You'll also get bonus video content and other badass exclusives. Smodcast, where Smodcast goes save for pay. All the deets at Smodcast.com. Going to New York Comic Con in October? Well, Jay and Silent Bob are giving you one more reason to fangasm. Uh, you might want to clean that up. Friday, October 14th at the IGN Theater. Catch a live performance of the popular podcast, Jay and Silent Bob Get Old. Dust off that Batman costume that's three sizes too small. Or, fuck it, don't wear a costume. Just wear some type of clothing, because, you know, you don't want to get arrested. And get ready to enjoy a thick layer of gooey comedy jizz with Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes. Jay and Silent Bob get old, live in New York, October 14th at the IGN Theater. Tickets on sale now. For more info, go to csmod.com. When it's time for lunch, you can pick up a spoon or grab your fork body and dig into a nuna. It's nuna with Dan and Marty. If you never had a nuna, well, there's no sugar way. Just bend over at the middle in the middle of the day. It's a nuna. It's a nuna with Marty and Dan. Marty and Dan, except oh, <laughs> except not not Marty and Dan today because this this is your host 
uh, Dan Etheridge, and uh, welcome to Nooner, your two-hour titillating radio embrace, coming to you Fridays live, 12 p.m. to 2 p.m. on Smodcast.com. But today, right now at this moment, it's not Dan and Marty. It's not Dan and Marty. It's just Dan, because Marty <laughs> stuck in traffic. But guess who I have here in kind of what I would call a swan song, uh, stepping out from behind the board, he's not man in the board, <laughs> is... Uh, and what would the full thing would be DJ James Jam Master James Franco Jr. How's that? Esquire. Esquire. <laughs> who, who is stepping up by the board to fill in for Marty. And frankly, let me tell you, the shoes you have to fill are tiny. Very small. Tiny indeed. Are you hearing that, Marty? Everything I say for the next 10 or 15 minutes is going to be so that Marty, who's stuck on the 101 freeway, can hear and grown. Let's yes. talk a little. Let's take this opportunity. Let's. And, and what, just uh, the reason James stepping away is he's on to bigger and better. He's got, you got, you got your own show coming on the network, uh, hopefully. And, uh, so he is, he's moving on to bigger and better, but we got Jay here who uh, is now manning the board for us yes. and is awesome. Hello. I should pimp out our guest that will be coming, uh, coming on board with us in about 15 minutes. One lovely Phil Lamar, who I had the pleasure of going to college with, but also you may know him. If you don't know him from going to college with me, you know him as uh, a guy on Mad TV and in Pulp Fiction and about 7,000 other yes. television programs. And not just a guy on Mad TV. I think the guy on Mad TV. It, I fucking I, love Good correction. Yes. Good correction on my article. The guy, the I apologize guy. for the article. When, <laughs> when, when Phil gets here, I'll apologize to him in person. There you go. Um, so... Uh, Marty, let's talk about Marty. Let's take this opportunity because yes. the man is sitting there in traffic and he, yeah. he knows he needs to, he's got well, like one job. Yeah. Be here at noon <laughs> for nooner. One job. That's it. And he leaves me so haggard because of course, those of you who listen to the show, all 300 million of you know that w- what am I without Marty? He says exactly. plaintively, forlornly. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I will play the, uh, the, the, uh, the coquette, the minority of the, uh, oh, okay. the duo today. I so I will be Martin, okay. the coquette. Okay, okay. yes. Well, Martina. Yeah. I think yes. we discussed this. There you go. Just like, I want to see. Martina. Yeah, there you go. Very good. <laughs> um, oh, look, I've got a text from Marty. He's at the elevator. This is so exciting. Uh-huh. All right. Is there anything nasty we want to say about Marty before we, uh, uh let's before get it out we of the way now? Because I, I mean, <laughs> not that we've had too much compunction about saying it directly to his face. Yeah. You know, I met Marty also in college when he threw a keg through a window. That's Ooh. just a little tidbit because if you knew Marty, you'd say, that's so un-Marty like. Yes, it is. I, I in the no same idea. way you'd say that's so unladylike. Yeah. And I don't mean that really <laughs> as any assault on his masculinity ish. Yeah. Ish. But, um, that's our, that's our dear Marty U. <laughs> oh, the, what? I hear the pitter patter of little feet. There that's Marty is. U running in right now. <laughs> Great, Marty. The crack team over on the other side of the table. Good lord. Well, I tell you what, this there Nooner podcast is off to a roaring start. Roaring start. What is that? Is. Kombucha? Or what is it? What is that, Marty, that you got there? Um, it's iced tea and lemonade. Mm, an Arnold Palmer. Arnold Palmer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's sexy. It's a classic. Is there vodka? Has so traffic on the 101. What else? Dog ate the homework. Tell me. Uh, no, no, no. I, I had to go, um, get, uh, I had, see, I have ink all over my hands because I had a, uh-huh. a printer accident last night. So I had to get a new laser printer. Oh, you had a oh. printer accident last night. So you were late today at noon. <laughs> all right. The irony is that I have to go back there because the the printer wasn't ready yet. Oh, the grand irony. So, I'll oh be back. my God. So I'll be back. Okay. Lord. This whole that, 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 will you, do you mind waiting? Yeah, no. Um. So. So. You, anyhow, you're no. Wait a second. No. No. You, I, I'm, you're third. I'm, you're third no. tier now. So. Let's look who's in second chair. DJ oh. Jam Master James Franco so Jr. Seeing, otherwise known as Machina. It's yes. so weird seeing you without. 
machinery in front Without of you. Machinery in front of you. Yeah, yeah. You, you just yeah. you look like a man now. Just a regular. Like man. if you were in an iron lung and now you weren't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like um, Tony Stark outside of his outside iron of the Iron Man. Maybe yeah. a more relevant thing. I was thinking. Didn't we bring up the movie The Big Bus? That faux disaster movie. Oh, yeah. I think I think the villain is in an iron lung during the oh, that, entire that movie. Is yes. True. Just yeah. little 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 factoid there for anyone. <laughs> I had another factoid. Did you yeah. know a uh, an Arnold Palmer when you add uh, vodka to it is a Harry Palmer. Hey. No ho. Thank you for coming. And Marty, you've just moved up to second chair. Yeah, second chair. Hey. <laughs> Glad to be back. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so why, did the, why does this particular day have more of a feeling of an unfortunate radio zoo? Yeah. I was, like, oh, we're like, hey, ding, boing. <laughs> is there a way to turn down my headphones? Dan, it's really, actually, really loud. I know. Actually, they're all – maybe you could turn down all yeah. – so, Oh, actually, mine just went off. I don't think I – I don't even know if my voice is being heard anymore. There we go. Okay. Um, anyway, oh, hey, this is – you know what? Last week, Carl, I mentioned that uh, – Adam Scott and I were having a deep-seated uh, rivalry about about bathrooms. That that he has like I thought I was a little finicky about bathrooms. I don't. I'm not going to just like go you know to the bathroom and like you know one of those like open bathrooms down at the beach or something yeah. like that. No, the, the, the horror. It's like yes. Calcutta on a summer day. Um, well, Adam got all over me because we were karaoke in the night, a perfectly reasonable, clean bathroom there. And he was like, what? You never use the bathroom in, in a Name public dropping. bathroom. It's not the point. If you're not going to say anything constructive late, oh, say nothing at all. Um, so he, it, it got all over me. So like, I just want some understanding. That's okay. All. I am sorry about the printer. Um, so <laughs> I, so hard? the unfortunate James, thing is that Adam and I have now started texting each other pictures of the grossest, uh, toilets that ah. we can find. And I believe that this would be an interesting, uh, coincidence. Oh, this but, is good for a podcast. Yeah. So if you could see this now. Oh, it's amazing. It's so disgusting. Yeah, it is. But Adam Scott thinking of you with the world's grossest toilet. I'd like to think that he sent that to all the Nooner fans collectively once. In fact, I may post it on Tumblr. An account of which I do not have. Yeah, link it well, to your just, uh, Twitter account. You, can, you guys can yeah. twit, pick it up. Oh, that's perfect. I'm Hash, sure everybody wants to see Hashtag gross that. bathrooms, and you guys got a, there a you go. really start. Actually, yeah. if somehow I was the guy who started gross bathrooms and that caught on, I'd be. <laughs> it, it, what would be humiliating is that probably really would catch on. It might be like my biggest moment of yeah. fame. My peak of fame <laughs> in social media will have been starting gross bathrooms. Gross bathrooms. Yeah. yeah. You'd so I'm not really of, sure I'm down for that. And you'd probably get a lot of personal messages from well, uh, George Michael. So. Uh, Unfortunately, hey, <laughs> the website grossbathrooms.com is already taken. Oh, thank you for checking. Uh, Very good. Gosh. Hey, are we up on Twitter? If you do want we to are up on Twitter. tweet anything to us, you know the Twitter oh, handle. That would be at NoonerDanMarty. So you can tweet questions to us and or our guest, Phil Lamar, when, when uh, he comes. arrives. Yeah, when should he, he get here? Should I he, mean, should he arrive on should time? Should we warn him, warn him about the traffic? Yeah, we should warn him about the traffic you experienced, Marty. I looked at my Google Maps, by the way, phone, <laughs> and there was no traffic on the 101, none at all. Uh, you were just could not tear yourself away from the laser printer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's all you got? <laughs> Fluctuations, Marty. Mm-hmm. I hate when mommy and daddy fight. <laughs> <laughs> that's the only thing we have going for this show. That's yeah. only... You know what we saw, and this is this is not going to be. This is I bet everybody who's listening. We are the last ones. We are the last ones. We saw Red State uh, finally the other night. It oh, was did great. You? Yeah, really enjoyed it. What a nice. provocative uh, new turn for Kevin. The acting was phenomenal. I loved the whole shooting aesthetic, which was completely original for him, and a, like a new foray uh provocative and creepy and jarring and disturbing and everything i think he wanted it to be nice. he he like five years ago or whenever he first wrote it he like there was an i am on my computer at 9 a.m saying hey i just wrote this thing he sent and he sent it through you yeah. give it a read 
And it was so disturbing. There was a different ending at the time, and I don't know if he's talking about that, so I don't start right here. I leave it for him. But like, it was so disturbing. And and he said, like, should I should I do this next? And they're like, oh, I don't know who's going to make this. I mean, yeah. This is like really. Can you really do this? And uh, so more power to him for you know. I mean, getting it done and getting well, it done his way. That's so funny. Is that everybody says, oh, it, you know, when you see it, it, it's not a Kevin Smith movie. It's not a Kevin. It's a total Kevin Smith movie. It's smart. There's great dialogue. There's great right. characters. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's just, you know, violent. I've always thought there was a great mixture, and, and maybe the first word isn't quite right, of the sacred and the profane in Kevin's movies, you know, and, but by sacred, I, that was more right, I think we're talking about dogma, but I mean, like, I think there is, you know, actual, uh, provocative thinking going on, and of course, there is the, it's, a, I mean, much of it is wrapped in the guise in the profane. You can transfer this to sort of the dramatic, uh, uh, you know, horror, if you want to call it, a genre that he's tackled here. But I still think it's that same angle on it, looking yeah. at something both as a thinker might look at it and as someone who obviously wants to score appropriate, uh, provocative points. So, yeah. did you guys already discuss that the mics were on before the show started? Yes. Oh, with the mics Ron, you mean live on the air? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's awesome. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, so what did we say? <laughs> yeah, that'll be... That's, that's so great. I think we talked about how do they keep Kevin scheduled. Yes. Yeah, okay. Uh-huh. Talk and about where the fuck is Marty? That is so cracking. I am looking at you, Jay, on the boards now. Um, okay, can we maybe next that. time, and I just get, want to say this, maybe next time, make sure the mics aren't on before, before the show starts. <laughs> just so you know, um, Get My Flutter On said, this is so bad, it's funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I couldn't agree more, Flutter. <laughs> I couldn't um, agree more. That is, yeah, that is pretty humorous. Um, I'm really going to be interested to hear... Uh, let, Let's not put that portion of the show on iTunes. Actually, what do you say, crew? <laughs> um, so anyhow, the, the screening uh, was was very well attended. It was sold out, and uh, while I was there, I did have my first uh, view askew sort of moment uh, of, of of recognition. You know, so I, I went to the bathroom, and uh, I, I, there was a little bit of a line outside. I heard these two women saying, "Was that Marty?" I, I don't know. Oh. I think so. So I, I got really excited, and then I came out. And it was uh, Jordan and Megan, and, oh. yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, who run yeah, basically yeah. everything, and they they just didn't recognize me because, you know. Yeah. Well, that was I've known uh, you know Jason Muse for a very long time, and not, not like we're best pals, but we've been acquainted for yeah. fifteen years. We absolutely know each other, and I think that understandably there was a long line of fans outside the theater. And understanding, I think you kind of have to at a certain point kind of glaze your eyes a little bit because everybody's trying to catch your eyes or say something. Yeah. So I said like right to his face. Hey, Jay. And, uh, he just kind of looked right through, through me <laughs> and on there and moved on. So I look like the guy who tried to start up a conversation with him and got totally blown off. Right? Yeah. And of course, I, I mean, I saw him later when it wasn't in that context and it was all as he always is. Yeah. Regular. And, and we lovely did, and pleasant. We did and, finally uh, meet Jordan after, you know, we, I think we've only just exchanged emails with her and we she was at the light just begun. You know, what we did, uh oh, does that mean that I was singing the, the, the man with the golden gun went live on the air? <laughs> Jay, please tell me that my rendition of Lulu's "The Man with the Golden Gun" did not go, did live, not go live over the air. I don't think. I don't think it did. Okay, so he is a terrible. Okay, no, I don't know. He's not just. It blows it a million a shot. Hey. Uh-huh. Uh, 
Um, yeah. So we, when we you said, I hope there. it didn't go out live on the air, and then proceeded <laughs> the to sing it. The golden it right. gun. Love is required when... Can I sing now, it without do, paying a license do fee? Do other people, when so. you go karaoke, do other people like your karaoke as like much is, as you do? Like is an interesting word. Actually, I really don't enjoy doing karaoke. Uh, so whenever I do, I'm forced to do it, I try to let the overperformance... Sell commitment. We like to say commitment. Commitment, as opposed. In fact, Phil, Lauren, and I will talk about that um, because one show that we did do together required a great deal of overcommitment to performance, Mm. Uh, and we will chat a little bit more about that in just a a few moments because we're gonna we're gonna bring Phil on. You know what? Fuck it. Yeah, let's bring on Phil on now because Phil's got to go because the man is the busiest man in Hollywood, and we'll talk a little more about that. So Mm -hmm. our guest today is uh, Phil Lamar. Uh, He just happened to just have arrived. (laughs) Whoa, that's crazy timing. Look at that. <sighs> Phil, you are two minutes late by my atomic clock. <laughs> um, I, we're working on the levels, so I don't know how far you have to be away from this. How far or, do I well, have to be? <laughs> if anyone's a master Perfect. of a microphone, it would be Phil. Yes, my middle name is Doppler. <laughs> <laughs> so for those of you who don't know, yeah, Phil, Phil is a... Uh, a wonderful actor and performer, and uh, you do some directing and writing, right? That, that uh, was very gives, little. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Well, no, he's a star. Of, he's a like uh, former you, groundling. You saw his head get um, blown off in Pulp Fiction, in Mad TV, all these things, uh, Futurama, uh, the um, what's Family Guy. So you sound like me when someone says. Hey, what I know you from? Um, <laughs> um, I'm I'm an actor. Well, what do you what what you act on? Um, I, I uh, you know, yeah, the whole yeah. the whole nine yeah. yards. I bless. I feel. I believe. I was trying to think back. I think we obviously we just met because we ran in theater oh. circles at school. But mm-hmm. we did that show, the disintegration of James Cherry yes! together. Yes, right. It is, yes. Sure, what, what was that? It was called the disintegration of James, James Cherry. Cherry. Uh, never performed again. No, I think, it, after no, that I, time. It, yeah. we performed it in a dining hall. The, yeah. oh, oh, right. Yes. <laughs> and, also known as a cafeteria outside of the Ivy League. Briefly tell these two stories, but they were two like big theater moments with me. Um, and the first one is when my you car- fell and bashed your head in. Yes, like <laughs> I'm supposed to be shot, and so I fall back over like my desk, and uh, and in doing so, uh, I fell back and I hit a wall, and it cracked open my head. And they brought up the lights, and there was just waterfalls of blood coming <laughs> off my head, puddles uh, coming down my arms, people screaming. It was horrible. Uh, but I That's healed. what we call commitment. Yeah, way to commit. Mm, thank nice. you. Yeah, did you finish the show? Well, here's the other thing, and this didn't. Yeah, I did not. Um, <laughs> so there was some under. Well, then that's not there. commitment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's no cheetah Rivera. That Dan <laughs> show must go on that's unless the only Dan... time it's ever been said about me, Phil. The only time. Um, but the but the other one is, and this one, I it would be a little hard to tell, and I apologize since we are on the Miracle of Radio. But after I'm shot in the play, I don't know if you remember this. The people who died during the play. The director got you this conceit to sit stay. on a cube. Oh, that's you right. You sit on a cube. And most days I would just sit with my legs like normal, let's look, you know, bent in front of me, hit some of the floor. One night, stupidly, because I was on there for 30 minutes before the act came down, I crossed my legs. I could feel, because I couldn't move because I was dead, as we were approaching intermission a half an hour away, mm. I could feel my leg going to sleep, like up through my ankle, through my through my knee, oh, all God. the way up to my head. I thought I was going to really... <laughs> so when the intermission, the lights go down at the end of the first act for intermission, you're supposed to quickly get off stage. I stood up, <laughs> couldn't feel my right leg, <laughs> collapsed to the stage, and started to pull myself on the floor across the stage. The, the lights came up for intermission and then would see oh, me doing that and I'd go down and then would go up and people backstage like 
what the fuck are you doing? Get off the fucking stage. And I and Dan's trying, trying to get to... more stage time <laughs> any way he can. And Dan's was... like, no, I'm, I'm, I was being committed. No, I, I was committing to my... If you if you remember Steve Martin in the in that movie, uh, All of Me with Lily Tomlin, yeah. where he loses control of half his right. body and one of his legs won't work, that's what was happening to me. Oh, so geez. that I don't remember you at all in the play, but I remember breaking my head open and losing my leg. Was I Was I actually in it? I was in it, wasn't I? I, I? I feel it's what came to mind when I said me, Phil Lamar, college. Yeah. That's what came, bad you, theater. And you did remember J.D. Michaels, David Barron. I, I just have like vague images. David Barron was in it? David Barron was involved. David Barron directed it. That's so I think it as if by involved, Kevin Smith was involved with Red State. <laughs> <laughs> good, good work. Good involvement. Well, with, with talent like ours, a director can really just sort of yes. skate by. Um, <laughs> the just, other... He just sits back and says, move actors. <laughs> the one credit I forgot is that you are a star of Broadway stage. Last Yeah, last fall, I finally uh, got, to, got to Broadway. Tell us about the great white way. Um, I did uh, the part of Cowboy Curtis in uh, the Pee Wee Herman show live on Broadway. Fantastic! Uh, How many weeks I did they run? See it. Uh, let's see. We ran. Uh, we did eighty shows, so ten weeks. Wow. Apparently, Lawrence Fishburne can no longer fit into the chaps. <laughs> so that's so not I what I hear. Oh, DJ James oh, right. is taken off. James Thank you out. so much. Thank you for covering yes. for me. Um, Appreciate it. <laughs> uh, uh, that must have been quite a thrill. It was. It was actually a little weird. Because we had done the show for about five weeks in L.A. Yeah. And then basically just moved the same show to New York. And um, I didn't, for the like the, the first couple of weeks of previews, sometimes I'd be on stage and like sort of it would hit me. Hey, I'm on Broadway. Living the dream. <laughs> and I'd look out and I was like, yeah, it's a Broadway audience. And look at him. I'm on Broadway. Feels just like L.A. <laughs> I guess I really shouldn't be thinking about that. I should be thinking about my next line. <laughs> but just like it was space out. And it didn't feel like Broadway until opening night. Right. And and it's like, okay, well, I guess it's just another show, right? It's like I, I called the stage manager. It's like, because um, a lot of the things that I found on Broadway are just sort of like, well, it's Broadway. This is what we do. <laughs> and no one tells you anything. Right. Because it's Broadway and that's the way it's done. Right. And right, you should right, just right. know that. Right. So I'm like... Uh, I called the stage manager. I was like, this is opening night. Does anything happen? <laughs> anything I should know about that, you know, that you guys all know? I was like, mm, no. Just come in, do the show. Yeah, kid, we go to Saudis and wait for the reviews <laughs> right. to come in and see what Damon that's, Runyon that's what thinks. I, that's what I'm expecting. Do He's I like, get my Russian Tea Room Club card? <laughs> Nothing. She said, no, nope, you do the show. I'm like, oh, oh, okay. But then, of course, what she didn't mention, because it wasn't her responsibility, right. is after the show, there's like a red carpet and a whole thing. And you, oh, you have to, we're all going to Bryant Park. And there's a thing. I'm like, oh. <laughs> I think okay. she, she could have teed that up a little right. bit. Exactly. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm glad I brought a collared shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and I walk over to, like, where am I going? I guess I'll follow the people and Rosie O'Donnell. <laughs> what? Just I like guess that? I'll I guess I'll follow Rosie O'Donnell. Sure, why not? Who wouldn't? And that's and <laughs> it was wouldn't? like this whole and there's Rosie O'Donnell and Martha Plimpton and Cheetah Rivera. Is that no? Is the, the, do you is this just a coincidence or was she somehow no, lurking these, in your? These are all the people. Cheetah lurks. Yeah, Cheetah lurks. <laughs> Cheetah, Cheetah no Cheetah lives. These are all the people who were at the show. That's her Twitter handle. Who then, who Cheetah then lurks. Go. Cheetah lurks. <laughs> at Cheetah lurks. That's Cheetah my lurks. drag name. It's official for more <laughs> Cheetah, Cheetah lurks. Um, <laughs> well, that's I'm. I'll tell you. I'm going to come out flat out and say it. I'm jealous. 
I mean, as an old theater hand, yeah. we've done theater together. I'm jealous, but incredibly happy you had that experience of being a Broadway right on Bill. Thank you. And Thank it would have gone longer. I mean, you, you could have no. kept going, right? <laughs> I mean, no, no. I, it was, no, it was... <laughs> I know, no, I know, no. It was dead. dead in the water. In the cards. <laughs> no, no, it was a limited engagement. Right, right. I mean, um, but like, Paul, Paul didn't even want to do the 10 weeks. Right. He was trying to say, can we do like four, six? It just because of like the, the repetition of it would make it not no, so fresh. He's 58 years old and he owns his own merchandise. He's not trying to work for a living. <laughs> <laughs> he's 58. He does not look a day over 55. <laughs> he no, really doesn't. He really really it well. But in terms exactly of demand, like you could have filled, continued to fill yeah. houses. Yeah. Um, right on. Well, congratulations on thank that. Thank you. Yeah. The, um, the, 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 the second, because then we'll move off of things that other people are interested in, but I'm interested because you and I haven't seen each other in a couple of years. I so I want to have a little trip down memory lane. Our friend uh, J- John Sylvain and a bunch of other great people started a theater in LA called Sacred Fools. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Still uh, going. 99 yep, yep, still going they're doing very a fundraiser strong. right now. Yeah, fantastic. Fantastic theater Sacred company. Sacredfools.org. And um, the first show there was called the Fatty Arbuckle Spook House Review, which was this just insane, <laughs> surrealist, not not a take on Fatty Arbuckle. I mean, it was just... It, it was, was like about a, Fatty Arbuckle. Yeah, but it was like if Alice in Wonderland got intertwined with Fatty Arbuckle, got intertwined with vaudeville. Right. And you and I played... What their in, the show's interpretation of Tweedledee and Tweedledum were, which were oh, these see, pain- see how he puts his name first. <laughs> Traditionally, Dan, it's I, Tweedledum and Tweedledee. You know what I like is I didn't remember who played who, and yeah. I, okay, well, sure I, you did. So I say. <laughs> so anyway, I interesting. I was top billed then. I don't can't remember why, but I I'm sure I was. And um, so we played these two, and what it did is it took those characters, made them into two creaky older vaudevillian comedians, and then you, we'd come out and tell very like overripe jokes. But then as the show went on, in keeping with the Arbuckle theme, we would get increasingly more uh, misogynist. Towards the end, we were just bitter, vile, misogynist <laughs> jokes that literally would leave the audience sort of gasping because we had them at first with our over-the-top humor, right. and then like we became the most awful people on the planet. <laughs> yeah, it just got darker and darker. <laughs> yeah. But it's still with the same punch! Yeah. Ow! <laughs> right. right on the side of the face! You know, I don't remember what the setup was, but it had to do with the, right. it's hitting hitting a woman in the face, right. and I forget. How, but in great choreography, too. But So I had such a blast doing that with Phil, and it was a nice return from our horrible debut in Disintegration of James Cherry. <laughs> Sorry, David Barron, if you're listening, I just that play has bad memories. He's for not, me. <laughs> no, not really. No, he's not really. he's working at Hulu now. But uh, um, uh, I was in that play too, Dan. In Fatty Arbuckle. God, you're such a fucking <laughs> asshole. <laughs> you were, like every t- every week. I think how could he be a bigger dick? <laughs> <laughs> I just I don't and rec- I don't crazy. Rec- I don't recall. It was a long time ago, Marty. Uh, Phil, did you remember me in the show? I do remember you. In the show. Oh, it's okay. easy for you to say, but you, you would have said, <laughs> is that true? Uh, I remember that he was in it. I, I'm trying to remember what part you played. You I, I did, like, group, a, there were a group of you. There was there? a group of us, and then I also did the Punch and Judy uh, puppet show. Oh yeah, show. you were great. Shut <laughs> the fuck up! Don't even look at me anymore. Wait, you were late. Wait, no, <laughs> that's already been played out. You were late, and no, the no, mic was on, no, and too, already you were late, and that's why I don't hour. remember the thing that we did 15 years ago. <laughs> um, so thank you, it. Phil. <laughs> I'm just connecting I'm just, the dots. Dan. I want just to make sure you understand which side it would be better for you to be on. <laughs> you know, there's a seat where James just left. So, Dan, if I knew which side my bread was buttered on, I'd be a much fatter man in Hollywood. <laughs> God, I am in the same boat, my friend. The same boat. Wait. So, um, so couldn't be more thrilled that when you when you work with somebody when we're younger. 
to have them go on and do exciting things and see them do things on stage and screen, it, that's just awesome. So, And likewise, yeah. Yeah, log rolling, log rolling, log rolling. Every yep. time <laughs> I turn on a show and see Dan Etheridge <laughs> producer, I'm like, I remember when he was a little munchkin, <laughs> a rat from Virginia. Um, I yeah. mean, you, that, you have hundreds and hundreds of credits. It's that's because cartoons, you can do two of them a day. Um, well, somebody wants to know about that. Um, let's see. Link669 wants to know how you like working on animation. Um, I love it. I love it. It's uh, incredibly humane. Um, a work day is four hours. And Jesus Christ. You know, yeah, I, I remember mean, I was at Warner, Warner Brothers once, and I was walking through the, you, there, and I saw you just walking out, and you were just wearing sweats and, like, basically your pajamas and you oh, had yeah. bedhead, and you're like, what's up? I just did, like, four voices. Yeah, it's, it's really easy, and everybody is pretty much – I mean, because it's scale. Like, there's no – like, there's a guy, Frank Welker, who's been doing – like, he was one of the original voices on Scooby-Doo. Oh, right. He wow. was Freddy on Scooby-Doo, and he's still Freddy on Scooby-Doo. Oh, that's amazing. Oh my God. And like when Frank comes onto a cartoon, he gets paid the same that I get paid. Right. It's right, like right. it's. Oh, really? Know. So there's no pe- pe- for the most part, people don't negotiate up and up and up. No. no. OK. So everybody's sort of there's a lot less ego and nobody's taking any. Although I remember working on this one cartoon where they brought in a producer from live action to work on this cartoon. Mm-hmm. I'm not exactly sure why, but like, oh, we want to branch out. Hugest mistake ever. This guy was like. <laughs> I thought he was Joel Silver or some shit. It's like, dude, it's a fucking cartoon. Relax. But he's walking down the hall screaming. Like, we don't do that here. It's not worth it to anybody to work like that. That sounds pleasant. Oh, it was ridiculous. I mean, you know, because you you do the, you have your four hours, but like sometimes it's a 22, you know, minute script, a 22, you know, minute cartoon. We finished early. Right. It was, right, right, right. I think we were booked nine to one. We finished, uh, 1240. Right. And so everybody's packing up. And he walks in because he's been out, you know, on a call, <laughs> not in the session, right. seeing how good the product is or anything. He's been out doing things. He comes back and he's like, whoa, whoa where are they going? <laughs> we're done. I paid for, tw- I paid for <laughs> yes, nine to one. Like, no, no, I got him till one o'clock. Well, we, we finished. <laughs> we'll find something else for him to record. <laughs> Grunts. Like, um, there was nothing else. Nice. Uh, you know, I want to ask this because I, because I am, I will admit I'm only passing familiar. What are some of the highlights of your, of your voiceover career for you? I mean, because I know some of them, but I don't know all. Cause you're a big comic book fan as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, my favorite shows that I've worked on, um, are, uh, Justice League. Um, which was a Warner Brothers cartoon where I played, uh, the John Stewart, the Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I mean, we did that for four years and it was just a great character. I mean, as that character, I got to, you know, have a love triangle, uh, be on trial for murder, you know, <laughs> go into the future and see the, the son that I never, didn't know that I would have, you know, like so far from super friends, like, oh, in yeah, terms right. of sophistication. Oh, yeah, right, right. oh, it was amazing. And it was just really well written, really well done. Um, Samurai Jack. Oh yeah, that was um, great. Just a, a piece of art, just a fantastic right. show. Yeah. Um, you know, you were, you were great on that too. I mean, oh, it was it's just beautiful to watch, and it was just like, yeah, so I mean, well. And for those and, who have no idea, what 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 role did you voice on that? Did you voice? Oh, in fact, I was I was Jack. Who rarely spoke. I mean, he was basically like you know a young Japanese Clint Eastwood. I mean, right. There, there were many times where. I mean, there would be some, you know, guest star who would have a lot of expositions. Like, you must go to this mountain and find it. <laughs> and then my line would be, do not worry. I will succeed. 
and then there would be ten minutes of action. You know, but you that meant you really had to land that line. I mean, you really had to land. Yeah, that how many line. seasons did that run? Uh, we ran four seasons before it was killed by George Lucas. How so? Inadvertently. Oh. oh you mean he actually stepped on it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you killed his, Samurai Jack! With his billion-dollar foot. No, what happened was um, the show was so good that he wanted the guy who created it, Gendy Tartakovsky, to do an animated Star Wars cartoon for him. And they did uh, Clone Wars, the micro-series, oh. these five-minute cartoons, which were right. like a minute of recap. Right. Two minutes, and then like, and two minutes of credits, <laughs> and they were brilliant. I mean, they they single handedly brought me back to the Star oh, Wars really? franchise really? after Phantom Menace. Wow! And I mean, they were so brilliant. And Lucas recognized him like this guy's fantastic, and hired him away from Cartoon Network. Uh, and Samurai Jack was a casualty. Gotcha. Well, it was a four great. But years. you got to run work? the clips, please. Yeah. <laughs> but, but you did get to work on Clone Wars, then, right? Uh, I did not. Oh. No. Thank you for asking, I, Marty. I worked on afterwards, right. after the micro series was done, and after uh, Gendy had moved on to other things. Uh, Lucasfilm decided to do their own, like half hour animated Clone Wars. Oh, okay, uh, that's what I, CGI, yeah. and that I've been working on. Right. Tell uh, us more. Uh, yeah, I, I voice a Jedi Knight, which is really really cool. Oh man, um, that's got to be the thrill of a lifetime in a sense. It is. Well, especially if you have a you know son who's into Star Wars. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Daddy's a Jedi. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, I'm I'm not going to pull out my saber right now. <laughs> um, and although most of my lines are done, I also do another character, uh, Bail Organa, oh. who is the adoptive father of Senator Leia Organa, oh. and he gets blown up in the original Star Wars, but you never see him. But in the prequels, he is played by Jimmy Smits. Oh, okay, very good. Yes, I do. So remember I, that. I got, I got to break out my Jimmy Smits impression. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. How, so did you did you actually study his voice for that? Then I did. Yeah, wow. really. Actually, I don't. I I worked on it for for like some voice matching thing. It was like somebody said, "Hey, can you can you do an impression of Jimmy Smits?" I'm like, "Can anyone?" <laughs> that's that's I, that would be I, my I, question. I don't know. Uh, yeah, uh, let me let me try. And it's like, and then I think, yeah, actually, I think I can. Andy, Andy, listen to me, man. This is not how it's going down. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but then that, that's that unbelievable. That's, that's what I love when someone's really good at it. Yeah. They make you, I did not think you'd be impressionable. <laughs> you, you could do an impression of him, and there, you just did. Uh, there was a time when I would get calls for, to see if I could do voice matching, and then my, when they realized, like, I had, I, I couldn't do the voices on Lost. I couldn't do anything. They're like, the voices, the, the, the voices stopped in my head. The calls stopped as well. It was the so tragic. The voices stopped in your head. Um, do they still go on now, Marty? The voices. Uh, is that Dan? The voices, the voices, uh, Jimmy Smith, leave me alone. Captain Antilles, um, these droids will go with you. My wife and I have always wanted a daughter. Well, uh, many people on Twitter, and I'm sure you've been asked about this before. Both people on Twitter. Um, they, yeah, <laughs> thank you. They want to know about um, how you got involved. What was it like auditioning for Quentin Tarantino? What was it like working on Pulp Fiction? Oh, yeah. Actually, that to this day is that a Groundling thing? Yes, yes. Actually, so Quentin Tarantino was in the Sunday Company, or did he just go? No, no. He just went through the program. Uh, no. Well, no. why don't you let him tell instead of just no, no. trying to guess? Or no, did no, you meet no, him no, on no. the street? Or did you see no, no, him in a no. restaurant? Or did I'll he come give you in a bar? Did he look you up in the phone book? I, Am I getting like, close? Am I warmer? Am I hotter? Yeah. Let him tell the no, story I'm not, that you asked him. Uh, you no, asked him. No, no, no. Is Quentin Tarantino uh, but, on the let No, no. Him. no. Phil, I would like to know the story of how you got... What is Quentin Tarantino's involvement with the groundlings? I'm not talking to you. I'll call you. 
<laughs> that was a life for Martin Short in the big picture as that obsequious agent. Right. He goes, I'm not talking to you. I'll call you. <laughs> um, okay. So anyway, yes, I would like to know, please, Phil, how uh, you got involved. Quentin Tarantino's, uh, as far as I know, his only uh, involvement with the Groundlings is that he is good friends with uh, Julia Sweeney. Right. Now, Harvey Keitel hosted Saturday Night Live when Julia Sweeney was on SNL. Right. They did a Pat sketch. Quentin came out with Harvey, because uh, I guess this was post-Reservoir Dogs. Maybe they were doing press or something. Met Steve Hibbert and Julia Sweeney, uh, who were married at the time, and became really good friends with them. Came back out to L.A. Uh, after, I guess, I think it was after Julia was done. And Quentin came and did the improv show, the Cooking with Gas show that we mm. do Thursday nights at, the, at right. the Groundlings. And I happened to be in the cast that night. And I improvised. At the Groundlings with Quentin Tarantino, which is perhaps where gotcha. the misapprehension that Quentin was a Groundling uh, came up. Um, and I met him there doing that show and uh, knew him and got to know him through through Julia a, a tiny bit. Not not very well, actually, um, but that night. Um, then it turns out he had a casting director on the show. And I found this out later. Uh, Ronnie Yeskel was casting it. Mm-hmm. And uh, she had cast me a couple of years before on an L.A. law. That's how old I am. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> when you were four. Yes, exactly. And I, that's where I developed my Jimmy Smith impression. <laughs> yes, very good. Um, and, and my Blair, Blair Underwood impression. <laughs> oh, oh, go, go. Let's do it. Go. <laughs> my name is Blair Underwood. <laughs> I'm a handsome black man. <laughs> well, he is yeah, a handsome he black pretty man. pretty good. Yes. Okay. By the way, I want to know, and I, so far I'd say it would have taken Marty about 2,000 guesses to get, <laughs> yeah. to, get to where no, we were. I, I had a very simple are, question. It is, it and is, and not, it is not one you can guess. <laughs> right, no. Okay. no. And, uh, so Ronnie Yeskel? Yes, yeah, so they were, uh, they were looking for somebody to play Marvin in the movie, and, uh, Ronnie says, there's a young, uh, black actor named Philomar who I think would be really good for this part, and Quinn's like, yeah, 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 no, great, great, bring him in, but, but there's this black guy at the Groundlings who's really good, so make sure you get him in too. Wow. So, and you know, so you were auditioning against yourself. Yes. I, so, which one got it? <laughs> yes. Bad, bad I've, been, I've been working yeah. against myself for years. <laughs> um, that is, but that is a great story because, like, so, uh, so often those things don't necessarily lead anywhere, and you don't do them because they lead anywhere. You do them because they're fun. Like the imp- right, and the fact that it did lead to something. It's such a such a part that you know. Here we are. What is it? Fifteen years later, and still like vividly remember it, and they right. want to know about it. Yeah, I mean, kind of, I always yeah, I always talk about the intangible steps because like everybody's really focused on the tangible steps. Oh, I got to go network. Oh, that person over there is a casting director. I'm going to go meet him. I'm going to. But then there's all the other steps. That you don't know that leads to anything. The auditions you don't get. Right. Right. Where yeah. you impress the guy who's a staff writer. But then later when he gets his own show, he's like, yes. there was a dude who was so fucking good. And you never know why you didn't get the part. It, right. It's yeah. not yeah. because you fucked sometimes up the you, Sometimes you don't know why you got it. Right. <laughs> right. That's true. I remember asking a producer uh, on a Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. That's how old I am. <laughs> uh, when you were four. Yes. Um, <laughs> How's the Will Smith impersonation? Uh... <laughs> I did catch you off guard there, you. No, no, because I, because I've been doing Will Smith too. Uncle Phil, uh, yeah, that's how you do it. <laughs> Very well done. <laughs> Day forty-one. Yeah, <laughs> I, was about, I was about to go into my I am legend. Bill Smith. <laughs> um, um, well, tell us about the time you were on the uh, mod. 
<laughs> That's not that old. It is a good lesson, though, because I think, and this is going to sound corny, but I think there's truth to it. You can manipulate and scheme all you want in terms of your career and admit sometimes you've got to do that in terms of network, or whatever. Right. But a hell of a lot of time, mostly, it's just going out there and doing the work and letting the chips fall where they may. Right. I don't mean to sound passive about it, but sometimes it's just, no, go, I'm going to go out there and do the best work I can to be the best person I can be, and then... And then those intangibles, those indirects right, are come, right. come around if you do have talent, if you do have passion, and you do have longevity. Right. right. Yeah. A lot of times it's just I – mean, I don't mean this casually. A lot of times it's just being around for a while. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. right. And just increasing your chances. Yes. Um, so wait. What was the uh, uh, Fresh Prince story? Oh, I, I – because no, yes, it was something I auditioned for, and I thought – you know, you know, sometimes you come out of audition and feel like, I nailed it. And sometimes you feel like, I didn't. And I felt like, I didn't. And then I got the call. I got the call. I'm like, you got the part. I'm like, and I don't know what I was thinking. I figured, well, they already hired me. They got to pay me. So, I, And I asked the producer, like, I, and I told her, it's like, when I did that audition, I didn't really feel like I nailed it. Did you guys see, like, a, a hint of what you were looking for? And <laughs> just like, yeah, I think, you know, he'll get it. And she said, no. And never cast on potential. I do not have time. <laughs> So you, so you nailed it, except right. so, that you don't believe so you, you nailed like, it. Okay, so then you, you, you just, like, phoned it in. You just did well, it, like, no. as mediocre as you could, because that's what you did when the audition. No, what it, what it made me realize is that actors don't always have the best perspective. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Actually, actors lesson. almost never have good, the best good perspective. Good lesson. So, good le- as a producer, great lesson. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic lesson. Are you listening out there, actors? Don't rewrite. <laughs> Just so, do what we tell you. Get um, in line. The words on the page are your Bible. Fatty was Fatty Arbuckle. That was the first play. <laughs> he said, "What's well, funny?" He said, "Fatty," and, and I looked, I looked over at me. You. And I was like, yeah. Well, I didn't yeah. see that out there, but and I'm no, feeling I'm Fatty looking some, and I. Uh, <laughs> a lot of I'm really enjoying I dropped ten here. pounds recently. I just want to say that. I just want to interrupt the entire. Uh, it's interview. not true. Did you, I it's not true. Did you break it. Thank you. <laughs> applauding. <laughs> it's not true. But he just had to say. No, no. It. It's, yeah, I just. I have to. I lost thirty-five pounds. No, I but little dropped ten Did pounds. Really? Yeah. Let me get a little healthy. Thanks, man. And I'm still going strong. Nice. Still going strong. Okay, hmm. back to the interview. Um, <laughs> so after Fatty, I asked you. Uh, that was the first acting I had done, and I, I was asking about the Groundlings right, right. to you. And and the best one of the best pieces of advice I ever got was. Well, you shouldn't go to the Groundlings if you have any intention of being a Groundling, right. is what you told me. Um, so, do you want to just... Mm, I, that, that, my mind's blown. Tell, well, me, so tell me about that paradox, Phil. Um, no. Well, <laughs> you're <laughs> such a dick. What? <laughs> I actually did want to know about the paradox. Um, I know I said it as though I didn't, but I actually do so, want to know about the paradox. So, yeah, like, what is the... Maybe people should know more what... I mean, well, the Groundlings is a big improv theater. Right. But Well, what I meant uh, was... Don't go there in order to be, because if that's your that's main, a fairly big phrase for Marty left out. Right? Don't, no, <laughs> don't don't go there. No, 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 I, no, no. no. I mean, I, I'm sure that's what I said. Don't right. go there to be a groundling. Right. Okay. Because if that's your focus, you're not going to get as much out of it as you could if you go there in order to learn what the groundlings have. And to so, what is like it. the process? Because of- I mean, because honestly, at that time, I think that was uh, the Lisa Kudrow years. So we had people like signing up, like. Hey, I want to be on Friends. Do you guys have classes? Like, we don't have classes on being on Friends. <laughs> we have classes on improvisational skills and writing. And, well, it, and it's right, very right, hierarchical. Right. So you have to go through this whole uh, multi-tiered thing. And the thing. thing is, people who come in wanting to be in the main company, which is probably the fifth 
yeah, level like of that. all of these things. You know, it's it's like going into the celebrity center and it's like, I want to get, you know, I want to be an alien body already. No, you can't. <laughs> I, I can be an alien, alien body. I suggest you we have go to down focus on being clear. <laughs> um, no, you have to f- focus on the process, not the goal. And like I, when I went through, it took me like it, when I went through, it was much more competitive there were so many classes and and right. it took me like six years to reach advanced or to get through advanced right because it was such a, because there were so many people who wanted to be on friends yeah right Plogging oh, the fucking yeah. and then also people you get, weren't doing it for the actual art of improv well, when, when i those. came there nobody at the groundlings was even making a living as an actor right, right so you went there because you saw a show and like oh my god that's amazing how do i start trying to do what those people are doing got it and it was like you know not everybody but more People were involved in learning the skills, you know, as and it's a really technical program. Sure, like yeah, in terms yeah. of like you know all the object work, all the character work, all the writing assignments, and and it's also very competitive because well, and it's funny because it's more competitive when you're trying. I mean, because there are thirty groundlings, you know, there's probably a wow. thousand people in the basic class, and wow. when I teach the classes, the t- when I teach a basic class, the first thing I say the first day is statistically. None of you are going to make it to the main company. <laughs> yeah. So that's not even look to the right, look to the left. One of you will no, be just, around. No, just, the, just yeah. statistically. Right. It's So for my level two, I guess Stephanie Courtney, the progressive mm-hmm. uh, girl, she she was in my class. And then uh, Annie Mumolo was in my class who wrote, wow. who wrote Bridesmaids. Yeah. It was a great class. And like, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, for two people in a second level class to both have made it to the main company is pretty incredible. Right, right. You know, but the thing is, if you are trying to, I mean, you're going to be trying to fuck your friends, uh, not in a good way, right? In the bad way, you know. If you're focused on like, I got to get up there. There's only so many spots, right? <laughs> so right. I can't support anybody. But if you're trying to learn how to improvise and right. be a good improviser, you're looking for support. It kind of you're looking like for teammates. But weird still, way, like the indirect thing we were talking about. If you're focused on the work and the quality of the work, let right. the chips fall. At the they same time, it is through. a very competitive environment, though. Like, I mean, you know, it's very well. You're being judged constantly, right? And right. it get, and it gets more and more so. Just as like you on go this on. show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Fact, um, oh, by the way, the Twitter sphere. We're ending a little early today because they've they've judged you. <laughs> um, uh, no, uh, someone Dan Buchanan says you fucking rule. Okay, thank you for that in-depth analysis. <laughs> no, Wait, he said hilarious. hilarious. He said Phil, hilarious. please do not slight Dan Buchanan. <laughs> That's a passionate listener right now. And we, we are the only number in the tens. <laughs> no, I, you I literally could have just got a viewership by 10%. I, I, I do nothing but abuse on Twitter. Oh, That's oh really? All I do. That's your, is I, that, well, you, you, you get some comedian? too, right? Yes. I, you, you reposted one that I thought was hilarious. Oh, God, yeah. You know the one I, I was yes. talking about? Um, yeah, somebody said you weren't. You lack street Not, credibility. Of right, some sort. right. Like, yes. Um, and, you, and you misspelled street. <laughs> <laughs> he don't got no street cred. <laughs> really? That really? Is dismaying. <laughs> so then how did you go from Groundlings to Mad TV? Is, I mean, it's very similar um, sensibilities, you know. Well, it's, it's a, a lot sim- of the same people. It's a similar skill set. Right. You know, uh, sketch writing, character based stuff. Um, I had a character that I developed at the Groundlings that I used on Mad TV, the UPS guy. My parents love the UPS guy. Thank you. Yes. Everybody loved the UPS guy. But I, I didn't, uh, unfortunately, I was one of the people who didn't get plucked from the Groundlings because I wasn't performing in the show at the time they came casting. Uh-huh. But I had, I was like in the, the sitcom guest world. So like the casting people at Fox knew me and I got into audition. It's funny because 
I had already done a pilot that that year, and Mad TV. I was auditioning in second position, as they say. Ah, yes. And uh, I, for those of you, and I don't mean to interrupt, for those of you who don't know, and this goes on in pilot season all the time, is though one show will book an actor in first position, another show will want that actor so much or be desperate for whatever they will book that actor in what's called second position, which as it sounds, which means if the other show goes, they're shit out of luck. And a lot of times, what will happen is both pilots will get picked up, and the other second pilot has to reshoot their pilot. Because that other actor's been plucked away. In the, uh, the pilot, The New Girl for Fox, this, uh, year, they, they, one of the actors, uh, I'm, I'm blanking. It's, yes. it's a brother. It's one of the, it, it, maybe not a weigh-ins, possibly a weigh-ins. Yeah, it's oh, yeah. Brother. Uh, son. No, son. Damon, Damon Williams Jr. Yeah. So <clears throat> but he, his show got picked he, up. Yeah. The other one got picked up. So the New Girl has to reshoot with a, with, with re- another black guy. Oh, can you imagine? Where are we going to find another black guy? <laughs> oh, how's your, how's your Damon Wayans Jr.? How's, where's Lawrence Fishburne Jr.? <laughs> we need another junior. Uh, but sorry to interrupt. Luke yes. Hassett Jr. Jr. Yeah, try occasion. <laughs> Wouldn't that just be Junior Squared? <laughs> J2. <laughs> LGJ2. What's up? Um, yeah, I auditioned for Mad TV and I was sucked so bad. And that was one of those auditions you walk out of, you're like, I just wasted a bunch of people's time, including my own. But you know what? That, uh, you yeah. never know. You got to just do it. Well, yeah. and it's weird because, I mean, I remember there was a, a, a guy that got on the show and I remember them saying, it's like, he had the best audition in all the years we've been doing the show. And apparently all he had was a good audition. <laughs> yeah, I've like, been there. I've seen that. Like happen. None, none, yep. of, none of the characters could be like expanded Expand. beyond right, 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 twenty five right. seconds. It's like, can you even stretch it out to two and a half? Nope, can't no, do it. Not one. It's frozen. So you were in second position to something. Or, yes, or and I did, and I went in not caring at all. Right. I was not memorized. Right. I had like I was I was like a young Janine Garofalo. I had notes. <laughs> on a legal pad, I'm like, uh, okay, no, I'm not gonna do that one. Uh, um, oh, <laughs> this is kind of funny. Um, <laughs> UPS guy, and uh, it, was, it was seriously, it was just like, I, I did not, you know, I, you know, sometimes we, you go in like fully prepared. I've got a five act play. I'm gonna do in three and a half minutes, <laughs> and this was not one of those times. And I sometimes that's freeing, relaxed. though, isn't it? When you're just oh, when you're like devil may care. Yeah, you, I mean, I believe that one of the keys to Hollywood is that. There are so many things that we don't know how they work or why they work. Like, why is a show successful? Why is somebody talented? What does that even mean? You know, it's like, what right. makes someone a great actor? Why does the camera love her? You don't know. Right. And you, you can't really control. And people are betting hundreds of millions of dollars on these things that nobody knows what they work. You know, it's like, <laughs> right. You know, it's like, you know, the cosmic cube. It's, what does it do? We don't know, but it's powerful. Okay. Cool. <laughs> Give me two. You know? So I think anything that you can do that seems certain or that doesn't draw, draw in greater fear and uncertainty, people are drawn to. Like if you, right. if an actor walks into a room and looks panicky, it's like, you know, the producers and cast people are like, oh, great. He's, he doesn't have anything more than we have. We're all panicked. <laughs> it's like, if this doesn't go, I'm going to lose my house in Malibu. Like, everybody is full of fear. So anybody who doesn't have fear automatically becomes really attractive. Right. <laughs> yes. That's why the that daredevil is, is so, so sexy. True. So, um, yeah. So, like, walking in with that legal pad and just sort of flipping you right. through, like, casually, that's I, a lot it, of swagger. I think, I think it instantly made all of them feel insecure, which made them want you more. Exactly. Yeah. He doesn't care. We want him. Right. It's, it's, yeah, it's like, it's a, yeah. and like eight seasons in there, like, how do we get rid of that guy who fooled us? <laughs> how many seasons did he do on? I did the first five. five. Wow. This and could it, be a good lesson for you and I in relationships. I mean, I'm in one right now, but you know what I'm saying is like, don't want it so much. Um, 
Yeah. But you, you know can't, But you can't control. I know. I can't control it. I, I say I want my relationship now, right now, so I can't control it. How many I seasons did it, it I do. go? It ran for 14 years. That's crazy. It's funny because people ask me, like, when it finally got uh, canceled, it's like, are you sad that Mad TV's not on the air anymore? I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> is one sad when the zombie stops getting up and finally puts a shovel through its head? Like the, the thing had been dead for a long time. Yeah, you know. really. No, what, is what, that, I, I didn't. You and I haven't talked about this. That was your take was just like you. You had you felt like you had stopped growing creatively in terms well, of the show? Or? No, 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 no. I mean, for me personally, um, I I left because I didn't feel like. I had the, uh, the, the things that I needed to do to be able to capitalize on a sketch comedy career. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I didn't have enough signature characters. I didn't. You I were very I, good I, with voices. Well, <laughs> no, I mean, cause what I saw, the people who, you know, launched themselves from sketches were people who had, who were better branded. Right. Like, you know, it's like, yeah, because I was used to make fun of Adam Sandler. It's like, psh, he's doing the same character. Oh, yeah, okay, now let's put a hat on and call it like, op- oh, now he's got a wig, he's an opera man. Oh, that's the same voice. I'm like, oh. And so that's why they can hire him. <laughs> right, people know what they're <laughs> getting. $25 million for a movie. He's like, people love that. Do that right, again. Right. Dance, now do that dance. in a different hat. <laughs> now do that again, and it'll we'll sell it in Bangkok. Right. You know? Yeah. And I, I didn't, that. I couldn't do that. Now, is, it, is the process like... You know, a lot of people knowing comedy know what the SNL process is and how competitive it is and how, you know, you have to be oh, constantly yeah, no, writing. Yeah. SNL, from what I've heard, I've never worked there, but it, it's, it's like, it sounds like, you know, Spartacus. It's like gladiator school. And it also sounds like it, it and again, we're all talking, I mean, like maybe speculation, but it has sounded like from the, some friends who posted it that it like, it kind of comes and goes with different casts. Some are more united and some right. are more, like, as one can imagine over the course of what a 30 year journey, there's some, yeah. sometimes there's deeply fractured, Fissions. So, yeah. so what when was I was on Mad, Mad was much more um, yeah, equitable. I mean, they 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 made sure because like we did we had sketch packets every week. You know, there's like a, a stack of twelve sketches. They made sure that everybody in the cast had something to do every week. Great, right? I mean, right. I think that was mostly because like I'm not going to pay them to do nothing. <laughs> Make sure they're <laughs> in twenty more minutes left on the on the voice right. clock. <laughs> Work. But like I remember we started in 94, the same time that uh, Will Ferrell and Sherry O'Terry and Jim Brewer started on SNL and we were of course watching their show and I remember Jim Brewer did nothing but wave goodbye for the first 3 weeks he was on the show and I'm just like, "Oh my god." Yeah. How horrifying yeah. is that be? Right, right. Week yeah. after week to just be sitting in your dressing room. It's like, I gotta think of a character. I gotta think of a character. Oh. Nobody's going to writing for me. Right, right. And you know, and like, you know that everybody you ever knew is tuning in every weekend. Yeah. And watching you do nothing. Not even worse than sucking. Watching you do nothing. <laughs> right. Unless oh. you're the unfortunate person who drops the F-bomb on the first show that you're on. <laughs> and I feel for her. Apparently, she's a wonderful and very talented, very talented person. A friend of my manager's are. But uh, she uh, – and I'm, and I'm blanking on her name just at the moment. But, right, uh, right, right. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, but can you imagine doing that, your first show on Channel Live, and you accidentally mm-hmm. say – But she kept going. Well, they didn't fire her right then. Is she no, still- no, no. And in fact, because you could tell it was a total action. She was so contrite and, and, right, and what right. have you and, and apparently very talented as well. It wasn't a Charles Rocket moment. Yeah, where that – this looked purposeful and arrogant. Like right. I, I will do this. Uh, oh, and where is he now? He's, he's he killed dead. himself. He's dead. Really? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's hey, the, the well. lowest moment ever <laughs> on Nooner. Yeah, it's really a, a Charles Rocket R.I.P. 
Um, now you're going to have to dedicate a whole show I don't even to know. just I to did, get back I, I feel like the biggest asshole of the century, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I just asked, where are they now about a guy who killed himself? Yeah. Awesome. And his daughter listens to the show. <laughs> <laughs> did. I am oh. so, so sorry, Rocket family. Um, wow. Okay. All right. <laughs> so, uh, Pull us out of this dive. Pull us out of this dive. I can't. I can't. Just shut up the nose. Won't, the bird won't. Like in the 90s, in the early aughts, like... The Groundlings was the the. He's like an Asian Charles Kuralt, <laughs> Marty. Yeah, on the road with Marty. You. <laughs> it was it, like the, the. I met this farmer in Iowa who grows soybeans. <laughs> the <laughs> locus of comedy in L.A. Like nobody could not do, go through the pr- process and still be recognized as, as a, a triple comedic, negative, as a comedic actor. But now it, it's like UCB is kind of like the uh, Upright Citizens Brigade. Is like the that's where people seem to go. Do you have you seen shows there? Uh, yes, I've seen a couple uh, have, shows there. Have you ever por- performed there? I have not. Uh, um, they don't know what they're missing, Phil. I, I don't get they out They do much. not know what they are missing. Um, I mean, do you, do you see that distinction at all? I mean, I guess you're probably... Yo, yeah, you know. well, I mean, there's there's always been more than one game right. in town. Right, right. I mean, the the Groundlings just had, like, in the time you're talking about, I mean, they were not the only game in L.A. I mean, right, right. You also had the alternative stand-up comedy scene going on at that same time, and there were brilliant people coming. You know, that's when David Cross and Bob Odenkirk, right. you know, uh, were doing stuff right. um, and de- developing their voices. Um, you had Acme Theater yeah. Sports and all those oh, other yeah. Yeah, at yeah. that. At that time, Acme was... <laughs> wow. Phil Amardis is Acme Theater Sports. No, because I, I had a lot of friends who were at Acme, but, I mean, honestly... I, at that time, right, yeah, right, they hadn't established themselves. Um, and the guy who just did the Charles Rocket thing, there's nothing you can do. <laughs> Literally nothing you could do the rest of the show that will, that will make anyone feel worse. Yeah, right. Like, I feel right yeah, now. It's like this weird cloud has just come down. <laughs> Dan, I can't even I see you. I don't know how to recover from this. Dan, I think the thing to do is to keep bringing it up every five well, minutes. No, but that's how you, by talking about things, it's therapeutic. <laughs> and if this, this is Yeah, but it but ain't therapy. funny. <laughs> that's why you don't see a lot of therapists turned comedian. <laughs> Actually, I thought they all were therapists turned no, no. A lot of comedians are in therapy. Oh, that's, right. That's, Sorry, that's, my bad. Yes. Slight difference. Very good. What, what were we talking about? Are we about? talking about uh, the theater scene? Oh, yeah. Well, UCB, um, IO. Yeah, I mean, there, there are a lot of games. And it's funny because people who uh, are into improv uh, will ask me, it's like, well, should I go to the grounds? I'm like, well, you have to go see the shows. I mean, because everybody has a different feel, a different vibe. Each of the theaters has a different thing. Right. And a different set of uh, teachers. And you have to find the one. I mean, there's... Of those three things, they all have a very different thing. There's going to be one that rocks you. Right, right. You know, and that's the one you go towards. Like UCB is much more uh, long-form improv and, and right. uh, Groundlings is sketch. And and, yeah. and UCB was started, there was, uh, for those who don't know, like uh, Matt Walsh and uh, uh, Ian Roberts and... Uh, uh, Amy Poehler, Matt Besser. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Yeah, some real stalwarts of comedy. Guess what, uh, uh, Marty? Uh-huh. Yeah, guess what, uh, Phil? We have a bit... Oh, cool! It's kind of—it's not really a bit. That's scary. Um, but I have because initially I asked Marty to uh, uh, have have three. To, so, so because as as in, and we'll probably come back to more biographical stuff. But sometimes it's fun to just move a little off that. It is. And um, so I asked Marty to come up with three questions for our guests. Easy ones. There's no there's no gimmick here. Uh, one of our guests got confused and thought that there was some hidden joke or gimmick. Right, and the whole right. Thing. No, just three questions. Just just conversation starters. We like to call them uh, Marty's uh, softballs, Jake. Nice. Yep. Yeah, Whoa. Gonna put you at ease if you like it raw. Well, tough. You can polish Great. So, so yes, good. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> that that song's about 
like the complete antithesis of, of softball. <laughs> I know, it, I know. It, it is sort of incongruous. I but, love that. But we like it. Thanks, Brad Stark. Go, Marty. Um, what, uh, describe the perfect sandwich. <laughs> Did <laughs> yeah? See, I would think I would think there was there was a, a I, well. A normally, there. they're slightly more substantive, but uh, I, but no, still, nevertheless, that, you that never know is the you, definition of a softball. Um, is it? No, that's uh, well. Actually, your favorite sandwich would be a softball. Putting the word "perfect" in there makes it a really difficult question. It's a, it, makes, it's it becomes a, a head scratch. All right, it's a medium ball. Because when you say "perfect," it's not like my perfect. my idea of the perfect sandwich. It's like okay, the perfect sandwich, the sandwich right. that would appeal to the most people. Okay, well, oh, uh, some people are saying. vegetarian. Um, <laughs> what would the world consider to be the perfect sandwich? Right. I mean, if you had to take the what aggregate the of all the billions well, of people well, in the most world, people like cheese. I personally don't like cheese. No, but many I many think, are not going to like cheese. I think. I what, know. what would you have to start with to get the most of six billion people on the planet? What ingredient would you have? Because not everybody's going to have like great bread, hamburger helper. <laughs> hamburger helper. I think we'd have on to start sourdough. But I think it would have to be some sort of meal type bread, right? Because right. I mean that it's it's, it's made of crickets. It, it's, it's grubs. The perfect protein. <laughs> it, exactly. But now we're just pulling things from every continent. It's grubs, seal, tortillas, right. and um, it, wrapped Heinz in rice mayonnaise. paper. <laughs> Great, perfect sandwich. Thank there you for is. answering. Very good. What's your, fa- what's your favorite sandwich? I'd like uh, to ask you. As pastrami an pastrami with lettuce and tomato and a little. A little bit of mustard. You've been to Langer's Deli. Too big. <laughs> the sandwich is really the sandwich too, is too big. Too, like I don't that's like the, the I, I don't the like the sandwich. I can't bite. That's the point that of the, a sandwich. That's the best sandwich from the. That's the best pastrami in the West Coast. It's fine. What it, kind it's of good? No, no, not there's, fine. At least give me top three. It's it's very good. It's just too big. That's all. I don't know. You I don't have, know where and this I don't, whole deli I don't, thing came from. Where a sandwich has to be bigger than your head. Actually, I totally with you. I do not like normally going to deli, and you cannot possibly fit in your mouth. And I anatomically have a small mouth. You do. I thank you. And so it's a pretty mouth. Did not. There's just not much sandwich, and I, that's not a euphemism. There's not much sandwich that can fit in this mouth. Right. <laughs> that's, I, don't, um, I don't think I'm liking what, what where this is going, but I agree with you about the deli business. But, but Langer's, Langer's is so tasty is very good. that I literally downtown, dislocate my own jaw. It's a, <laughs> it's a downtown Los Angeles institution. Yes, for those I, I'm like a python. Um, <laughs> so... so uh, and we're of, back to softball. What kind of mustard? <laughs> wait, wait. What kind of mustard? Uh, brown mustard, yellow, it's French. It's got be brown. You cannot do Jelly Oh, mustard, my God. Yeah, wait a second. You can't no do one French's. has yellow. Yeah, I mean, you don't do yellow mustard in another pastrami. Where is your favorite pastrami, since you dissed Langer's? Because the problem is, is that it's, as at its core is a deli sandwich. Where do you get a non-deli-sized deli pastrami sandwich? See, I'm not as picky as you. Picky as me? I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm like, give me the biggest. I'll stretch my mouth. <laughs> I, as big as it's that, gotta go. That's that's gonna be on yes, your tomb, that's gonna be on your tombstone. <laughs> just saying, the night after, I'm, I, am, oh. I am willing to push it. Okay, right. to get no, a daily sandwich in no, there. Look, I grew up. I grew up with a mother, a single, uh, single mother who couldn't cook. So, to My, me, this is it doesn't ma- sad story. <laughs> so I I like I can appreciate good food, but I don't have to have it. Okay. And so, like you say, where's the best pastrami? He's like, I don't know. Okay, but I had but, one that was good. I had another one that was here. so-so. <laughs> we, <laughs> they we, both went in the same hole and came out the same hole. They did. They did. Well, two different holes. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. But I, see, oh, I see what you're in. saying. I, th- I thought you regurgitated. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I missed the first part of the setup, so I thought it went in the same hole, went out the same hole. No, you no. See what no. I, that, see, that would be yes, a problem. No. Um, so, uh, so here's my... Here's Welcome my, here's to bulimic my... recipes. <laughs> Wait, did you see that South Park where they like poop out their mouth? 
It's one of the that, that's kind one of, of the that's funniest kind of things I've thing. ever seen. Um, <laughs> For some reason, I you know what? I don't watch South Park. You should I watch nev- that. I one never have. And, and, and as every a voiceover time I, every artist, time one would think. As a union voiceover artist, right. I can. Right. Oh, sorry. Exactly. That's why you're supporting the union. No, I'm just. I feel that anybody who's a millionaire who doesn't who doesn't pay you you know doesn't it's like I don't want to pay health and pension like fuck you just pay it (laughs) I heard it here first here is I want to get back to this because I can't never get the break of my god no I am getting back to it because the whole point of softballs is that we can have a longer chat about something but. About the sandwich? If, yes, not interminable. If, no, interminable. If I want to, it's my goddamn show. We'll talk about a sandwich for like 45 minutes. I don't even remember what I was going to say. Rest okay, in peace, I Charles remember. Rocket. It, oh. <laughs> See, I was holding back. Damn it. <laughs> okay, here's my problem. It's not my problem. It's the reason it's sticking my craw. That you I say, don't know I have a... No, no, you say, what is your favorite sandwich? You say blank. Except you can't name a single place you can obtain that sandwich. You oh, can, sure I can. That's all I want to know. Where do you go to get that favorite sandwich? Uh, Tang's Donuts on Franklin. Oh, that is a good donut. Yeah, I mean, they, you know, they have those. You know, the number no, 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 five. The, no, no, no the, I go. I go there. Yeah. It's fantastic. You're talking about right by, by by local. It's just near Bronson. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They have a fantastic uh, croissant with egg, ham, and cheese. Yes. And now you know they have a good pastrami. As they have well. a good pastrami, and yeah. it's and it's and it's average mouth sized. Yes. Yes. Do you know that's, that is two blocks from my house? It, you know, it's, it's great to know that I don't gotta wreck my mouth anymore. Oh no, it's, a pastrami, it's, it's a pastrami sandwich you can eat while driving. <laughs> that's, that's, that's how reasonably sized it is. Anything I can do home, while driving. Uh, Phil has mustard stains all up and down his pants. <laughs> that's too. not mustard. It does not come out. It does not come out. Um, all right. Well, thank is you. Is anyone for... still listening? <laughs> is this no, thing on? Anyone. Nobody ever was. Well, ta- but, uh, but good shout out for Tank's Donuts on Franklin. Go. Best mouth sized pastrami <laughs> in, in the West Coast. All right. Now we're back to Los Angeles magazines. <laughs> Food time. Um, uh, Get my flutter on said this is the third most fascinating deli sandwich debate I've heard all day. <laughs> yes, earlier Kevin and Jen were going back and forth about a Reuben, which is just a no, slight pastrami. Like- no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I did work when I was a waiter in Virginia Beach. I did work at the restaurant The Jewish Mother, which was a fantastic. Wait, wait. In Virginia Beach, Virginia? I know. I understand. That's not. It's very incongruous. Were, were, were there any Jews at all involved in that? None. So the <laughs> restaurant closed <laughs> opening night. No, it was it was a mainstay because it sort of had a. Space you're not going to keep that sign. You're not going to keep cool that sign thing. up there, are you? <laughs> I might attract the wrong element. <laughs> That's my Virginia accent. Okay, they changed it to the the mammoth. <laughs> you southerners out there will know what I mean my mama but yes it's so like the whole menu was like mama says and would have a list of all these sandwiches so I know every every deli sandwich and how to make them and one of my favorite ones if you take the bratwurst cut it in half put it over some uh, sauerkraut oh yes yeah it's a good sandwich there you go moving on ah uh, so uh, okay this is softball number two Softball number two. Uh, actually, this isn't. But were you born in LA? <laughs> you, you just the man just teed it up with I a know. great. You we're, just had I, a voiceover artist tee this up. I was, but I, I didn't. Was, I was born in LA. Yes, great. I, I, softball I, number two. Thank you. No, that's why. <laughs> that's why I had to preface it that with is this the is not softest of That's why I had to preface that. Are you breathing? <laughs> oh my god! Now, now this becomes a De Niro interview. Um, a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> I'm coming in my nose. Uh, did did you just say I'm coming in my nose? 
No, the air's coming in my nose. I'm gonna I'm gonna get on mic more so that uh, you you don't have any more of these you know, misunderstandings. <laughs> Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. So okay. that was a preface He's question, so I could get to the actual softball, which is uh, where would you live if not L.A. Um, Ooh, um, Tang's Donuts on Franklin. <laughs> uh, perhaps Hawaii. Which oh. island? Uh, I don't know. I've Do you guys spend to, time there? No, but I remember oh. I went there for my honeymoon, and it was just a phenomenal feeling getting off of the airplane and walking out into this place where the air seemed to be the same temperature as my as the inside of my body. It was just like, oh. <laughs> 98.6. Yes, exactly. Oh, it was like, it was like, it was like returning to the womb kind of. Yeah, yeah. it's just like, oh, this. I, I feel... More relaxed, just breathing this air. And in one of the places where you can wear t-shirts just all the time, and it always feels comfortable no matter what. Right. Uh, have, right. You, have you taken the kids there? Uh, you, my son went mm. uh, to. Uh, what? You left the other one out. Well, she hadn't been born yet. No, still. Since, since I had two kids, I haven't been able to afford to go to Hawaii. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the travails of Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> mm. That's that's really no. That's not really Hollywood. That's really anywhere you. Breathe. Anywhere. Yeah. Kids cost money. I, I think just, I think I would get bored after a while. I mean, no, Hawaii. it's having kids. No, in Hawaii. <laughs> oh, yes, with kids. No, yeah, yeah no, no well, never that's, that's why they have pot in Hawaii. Oh, so I did not know. You that. are bored, Is but you why? forget. Oh. <laughs> Man, this, there was something that was bugging me yesterday. Mm, no, nope, can't remember. Uh, but no, I I would have probably have to move someplace that like where there was hubbub. Yes, and where the, there was bustle. Yeah, absolutely. Where the girls were fast. Because we're all going to have to move out of L.A. pretty soon because, you know. Because like of the, the water. Uh, tsunami? The water. Water shortage. Oh, yes. This water year, didn't sh- no, I tell you about this. that? No, what's I, going Yes, on? no, your, your sister told me about it. Do we have a water uh, shortage? Um, yeah, we, li- in we live the in the world. desert. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you yeah. mean in the in the macro? We're gonna have to leave LA. I thought you meant like in the next month. I have oh, no. memo. <laughs> we got a water problem, and we got to get the hell out because I really like my current apartment. Yeah, no, like <laughs> no, you're you're until your lease is up, you're fine. I wouldn't. I think earlier I might have said you know New York, Manhattan, if I was wealthy. Which yes. I'm not, you know, Manhattan, if I was really wealthy, I think would be a blast. Right now, I think maybe like a place like Austin, you know, just a cool, smaller city, get advantages of a city, disadvantage, you know, that sort of thing. You know what? I, I like Austin and it is a very cool place, but in the current political climate, I just can't afford to be in the middle of Texas. No, I gotta like, tell you. It's like, and, okay, and I, we decided yeah. to succeed or just <laughs> kill all the niggers. You know, it's like, <laughs> You'd be surrounded. There would just be no getting out. There's an awful lot of, uh, but Austinites would be an oasis from that. You know, it's funny because the one time I went to Austin, like it was the first time I'd been to Texas and we get off, uh, you know, driving in from the airport and like I see a Cesar Chavez Boulevard and a Martin Luther King Boulevard. I'm like, in Texas? It's, you know what? The thing, it's the, very the, short. The problem with Texas, and I, and I don't, I don't care who I offend out there, uh, on my, the other side of the political aisle is that Governor Perry scares the holy hell out of me. That man. That man. Anyway. I can imagine him. But I got it. I can imagine him getting the nomination. Yes, I can. Which would be good. I don't know. I mean, Obama's going to have a tough road with this economy, but we'll see. The scary thing is, I would seeing him in the White House fills me with nausea. How many flights to France are there? We have to go to France. Third softball. Third softball. What's the most treasured comic book in your collection the most treasured comic book in my collection is probably uncanny x-men number 141 
uh, that which Kitty is Pride. Ti- Times, uh, is it called? Is it called Times of Future Past? Wait, what was the softball? Just what? What is your favorite comic? No, book? the most treasured. 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 Um, treasured. It, it's probably not the certainly not the most valuable. No, that's I why I don't have a lot of valuable ones. But it's one. Um, yeah, it's when they find Kitty Pride, right? And no, 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 no. This is it's during the uh, Chris Claremont John Byrne run on X Men, um, where and it was really at the height. Of their powers. It's where they go into the future. That's the one. It's where they go into the future. Um, oh, that's and right. And the Sentinels right. have taken over the world. And, you know, and that's, there's a, an image, a panel of Wolverine being, you know, shot by a Sentinel's beam and it's like just being disintegrated <gasps> into the this adamantium skeleton. skeleton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Um, the, the thing that, that's so significant about that, uh, comic book to me is I remember reading it at a time when I was sick and I had a fever and I read the comic and then had like the most insane fever dreams about like a future where a dystopian future where m- mutants are being hunted and, and there's Wolverine and his furry collared jacket. Oh God, what's going on? Kitty, kitty duck, you know. Um, so that is the one that's probably like rooted most deeply in my psyche. Although I love uh, uh, Teen Titans number one. Oh yeah, yeah. And cl- clearly for me, it's Richie Rich number twelve. Which <laughs> did you did you identify with Richie Rich? Um, I did not because I always I always think he looks like you. You're like really? you're more of a Reginald like Van Billingsley. Billingsley. I thought Peter Billingsley from the uh, from the Christmas, Christmas story would be a good Richie Rich or or right. Rick Schroeder. Uh, Silver Spoons. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. No, you're more like, wasn't it Reggie Van Doe? Isn't that the... Is that the... Wait, the, is that the, the, the villain in the, the Reggie yeah. Rich But didn't he have dark hair? Yeah, like like Dan. I, see, he I, was of, the, I always think of Dan as a blonde. You know, hmm. it's because I was platinum blonde until uh, high school, and then my hair went brown. Interesting yeah. factoid. Mm, it's a factoid. <laughs> I don't. I don't like that. I don't like that you made me into the bad rich guy in the Reggie Van Doe. Hey man, at least you were rich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that does heal all wounds. Let me tell you, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> hey, imaginary richness really you know, makes yes. any insult feel okay. <laughs> so, when you, uh, as an adult, did you go out and hunt like a mint condition no. X Men One Forty One? No. I've never been a comic book collector. You're I've a always been a comic book reader. Yeah, I, I, I don't put I them in totally plastic bags. Bags. You yes. admire and respect people who do our audience, but <laughs> yeah, you weren't bagged and boarded. You, 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 I wasn't bagged and boarded, but I don't. Which is a lie. Play. It's a lie. I don't do bags and boards. <sighs> I can't I, although, I guess I've become be, because of lack of time. I've become more of a hoarder than a collector. <laughs> like, because if if I had my druthers, I would every two years I would go through my entire comic book collection and get rid of the shitty ones. Right. And just keep the good ones. Oh, and that I way, have, the, the advice, if you haven't used it in a year or two, right, right. then well, you don't some, need it. There are some comic books. I yeah. mean, there's like, you know, I have Rom Space Knight, number 23. There's no reason I still need to have. There's I no can't reason believe to, I know who Rom I'm, Space Knight and is. And I did like that. <laughs> that was a good one. You know, that was one of those things where I was trying to be a collector for a minute. Yeah, yeah. And there were like two Marvel titles that, you know, it's like, oh, they're number ones. It was Moon Knight and Rom Space Knight with art by Sal Buscema. Uh, it was just awful, <laughs> just an awful, awful book. And Moon, I, but I have all Moon of them. Night. Was that Moon Knight? Was that a, is that a K Knight or yes? Man? Okay, because otherwise it didn't make sense to me. Although the Moon Knight, and, Moon I, and I do have Moon Knight number one. Yeah, who who drew that? Bill Sienkiewicz. Oh, I love Bill Sienkiewicz, and a, a very young Bill Sienkiewicz. Wow. And it's uh, yeah, that is actually significant just for that. But 
Yeah, right Excellent. on. Um, Unfortunately, this is one of the rare softballs I can participate in because I was not a uh, a comic book slash graphic novel guy. That's right. But, but you're a producer now, so you must buy comic books now. Av- avidly. Because <laughs> that's the only thing that gets bought these days. Yeah. Well, here's a that's question that, TV. that almost made the softball, but it wasn't soft enough. What? Uh, <laughs> Give it to me hard, Marty. Oh, yeah. Bend over. Um, do you remember the first sketch you did as a groundling? No. Really? No. Oh. No idea. Well, because because you write you start yeah, writing sketches in lab, one. right? Right. Well, what about uh, in Sunday Company? Uh, wait. Okay. Rephrase. What's the first sketch you remember, Phil Lamar? Oh Jesus! Yeah. Hardball. Um, I remember a sketch from uh, Advanced, I think, um, where I was playing a boxer, uh, like. Like a really like inarticulate boxer who the you know I'm just happy to do it you know and uh, and I had like a t-shirt stuffed so it looked like I had muscles um, and I can't remember what the hook was I think he was actually like really smart but sounded incredibly stupid. <laughs> you know, oh, that's funny. That's the, uh, yeah, well, as a professor of literary science, I uh, yeah, something like that. <laughs> right, right. You know what? I, uh, one thing I love. I've seen you in three times is called Beverly Winwood Presents. And what it is, is a, it's, a, it's a faux actor's showcase. Yes. And I've seen you in it and, and many times. I've, uh, Jennifer Coolidge uh, brings down the house and <laughs> she plays sort of a Dallas, Texas, Neiman Marcus kind of mother who has to fill in for her daughter in the glass menagerie. Right. It's hysterical if anybody Mark seen loved that. that. Uh, my brother-in-law. He, he's oh, still talking about it. it. Now we're just like we're talking show, at home and not and even on the air. No, the show. The show is coming back. We're, <laughs> yeah. we're going to do uh, the the Winwood show again. Oh, I really? Think, in October. Oh, it, awesome. Are you going to do? Because I, I think I've actually seen you in the same sketch. Uh, the, it's the jail. Uh, yeah, yeah, we, yeah. We do we do the the, the the mostly the same pieces. Like uh, a couple of people have uh, changed pieces every once in a while. I mean, like, who does the captain, the man in the wheelchair? Oh, the, Tim Bagley. Oh my God, he's, he's that, that's one of my favorite theatrical pieces funny. of all time. Yes, because he's there's he the, he's so cleverly planned because he's in a wheelchair and he's trying to do a scene that clearly someone in a wheelchair shouldn't be doing, which sounds immediately sounds like the the easy way. And I, and, and admittedly, there is one or two easy moments in, it, but he does give himself some moments where you can just see him timing to absolute perfection when to go to the next level and you're just watching like man that guy has the audience in his hands so we should we should explain like so in in la there are these actor acting showcases where people basically rent out uh, a theater and then they they do scenes that they've either written or from one acts and then they invite all the industry people and like right it's a chance to showcase your talent for the people who may hire you right and the, the the premise of our show is that this is an acting class a very, very bad acting class taught by a very, very bad acting teacher. And she has decided to put her students' talents on display. <laughs> and, and Michael Hitchcock does yes. one with, uh, uh, I can't he, remember. He did, he did one with Mindy Sterling. Oh, Wait, yes, which which yes. one did you, did you see? Hair? The- or did you see Wicked? I saw Hair. I have not seen Wicked. That alone makes me want to go back. It's just <laughs> oh. a grotesque version of... Because Hitchcock was in Party Down. He just likes to go for the grotesque. He knows there is humor in making himself look as fucking <laughs> awful as humanly possible. Very funny gentleman. There's a man... Yeah, there's an, uh, yeah, a man who knows how to commit. Yeah, oh, yes. <laughs> and do you, are you doing any live action stuff coming up on the TV or the movies? Uh, I did a couple of episodes of a new show called State of Georgia with Raven Simone, oh. who's all grown up. 
That's so. It's funny because I did a show with her. I did her. I'm sorry, s- what was that, Dan? Finish. So, finish the uh, I, I left it off. I left it off. You don't finish it. I don't finish it. I thought I did. the I don't, I don't know what it, I, I, I don't think know. I did you, exactly enough. Yes, that's all. I don't get the uh, reference. It's because you're too young. But it's funny because I did her second sitcom almost 20 years ago when she was like, you know, seven or something. That's it. That is amazing. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that, I mean, that's no, dude. Kids, kids been around a while. <laughs> she's, a she's a pro. Do you like like working voiceover versus live action? Do you have a preference? Um, you know what? I don't. I have a preference. I prefer to work and no, I, no. <laughs> I prefer good stuff. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. Because honestly, I believe that a well written animated script has more in common um, with a well-written feature script than it does with a bad cartoon script. Right. You right, know, right, got right. It. Like, got it. Yeah. It's like intelligence. Thing, and... Things that are like a bad sitcom or a bad cartoon, a bad movie, they're all hard. Right. And stuff that's good is easy. Because because motivational through lines, character uh, concepts, yeah, they're, they, they're there, they're present, they're Yeah, rich. the other day I was working on a video game, um, and it was a video game that didn't really have a story, and it was sort of kid-oriented, but... So, like, nobody was really in, like, the writers weren't really invested, and there wasn't really anything to hold on to in terms of character or, right, or right. just narrative. So it became really hard. It's like, okay, I'm saying words that I can't even, like, connect together as they're coming out of my mouth now. Like, and then it's easy to think, oh, it's just for kids. Who gives a fuck? You but, know? But you see, but that's the thing. I know that one. Right. You, right. You, it's easy to say that. Right, right. But then it, it becomes even harder to do. Exactly. Okay, well, how do I now act without giving a fuck? Because <laughs> <laughs> nobody else gives a fuck, man. I don't want to look like I give a fuck. Yeah, but it's, it's so hard to, to not give a fuck. That's a slogan to for the show. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I think it is true. But it is true. It's exactly right. It is hard to do that. So um, I, yeah. Do you still have fun on Futurama? Yes, yes. Uh, that's, you know, again, good, really good scripts. Right, you know, right. Funny jokes, really talented writers. And, and now, is there a show that you did that you, that was really smart and really good that didn't get the recognition that, like, that um, you can think of? Oh, God. Uh, I'm sure there must have been. Uh, well, actually, the, the pilot that I did before Mad TV, I thought was uh, so, like, smart and funny. It was like a cop sitcom, but it started Carlos Mencia and it didn't go. It was like Carlos Mencia's third pilot. Wow. You know, it's interesting. We, like, I, we met him in an audition and, and a lot of, had developed an expectation of, uh, not a good person and he couldn't have been more delightful as a human being. Incredibly nice. No, it wasn't right for the role, but was incredible. And, you know, sometimes you, I mean, he seems to me to kind of be a guy who has a bit of a bad rep around and, And it, you can usually tell when someone is putting on nice guy for an audition. You know, it's not the normal hat. He just genuinely seemed like, I mean, like, it could be completely wrong. And again, this is just based on a 10 minute, well, I think that, that meeting, has but something to do with why people like him in spite of his not being the funniest guy. And, you know, yeah. I mean, I think, I think he is funny. Um, but he is not, he's not a pure stand up in the sense that, like, stand ups don't like him because he's not funny in the way stand ups like. Right people to be funny you mean he's stand-ups r- stand- contour funny no or no, no. stand-up he... stand-ups like i mean the people that the other comics like are the one that the audience walks out on right okay right yes yeah it's yeah, again yeah, it's yeah, that yeah. so it's, it's the dane Co- it's the crowd pleasing right yes right. That's it's like a lot of yelling and, well, we, and, and i know, think it's what we we're talking about before physical. right I mean, you know when you're up there i mean doing stand-up is 
is again gladiator school. It's, Did you do stand up? I didn't. No, yeah. I don't have the guts. Um, and there's a lot of fear involved. Right. And I think they see in someone who, you know, in their word, in their eyes is pandering to the audience. They see their own fear magnified. It's like, dude, any of us would do that because we're all afraid. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> what they like is the is the person who doesn't pander, who who seems to fight their fear, right. who's flipping the, through the, the, like the, through his legal pad right. without he a care in the world. He doesn't care if they laugh because right. I mean, think about it. Most people who do comedy, more than anything, they want that laugh. They need that laugh. Right. And anybody who gets up there and doesn't seem to, or will actively work against getting that laugh, it, becomes the, the a Andy hero. Kaufman uh, yes. the, it being the, yes. yeah, the classic example. It's not sense. that funny. It, and Andy, and Andy it Kaufman is, is widely is, admired. Andy Kaufman's yeah. like his acting, his character work was hilarious. His stand-up stuff is not that funny. Right. It's, it, but it's, there was a yeah. persona there that elevated. It's, it's the, very, it's the, very creative. Yes, yes. And as a performance art, what he was doing, but I, I, but I, think I don't like I think that's art. the great Because I know what you mean. It, it, but it is performance art. And I do think there's a difference. And I think right. you're right to draw that distinction. And I think, that, and I think that's it. why people, uh, why comics love him is because he really is. He's like, he's Jesus. He's somebody who bucked the entire system. Right, right. But also because he had the, he showed he had the skill and the talent to work within the system with Latka. Like right. He, right. It's not that he couldn't be funny. Right. Not like he couldn't make an audience love him. That's a really good point. I hadn't really thought about it that way. That he absolutely did. Like it wasn't just someone who was lobbing shots completely from the outside. It's kind of like, he, like he did great on the inside, and then right. said, "But I'm going to be on super exactly. outside." It's like the abstract artist who just like paints a canvas white. And if he has a body of work that that, or rather, know, does uh, does a Mona Lisa really quickly, it's fantastic. Right. And then says, "Now nah, I'm going to go fuck around." Exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's pretty heroic yeah. from an artistic standpoint. Yeah, yeah. very makes sense. I don't. I this is not me rushing you out because I want you to stay as long as you can. But I know you've got. Yeah, well, you've what, got what's, gig, your, right? what's your? So you just what's, what's your, your out time? Yeah, one uh, thirty. Oh, sweet. So we got five more minutes with you. Let's talk is sandwiches. Are you looking at your Twitter sphere? Yes, I'm looking to see if anybody's tweeting. <laughs> and what is the answer is no. <laughs> oh wait, no, I'm looking. Oh, I'm searching you guys. Nobody, nobody's yeah, nobody's no, nobody's looking for us. Um, what's the gig you're doing? Can you talk? Can you about talk it? about Can it? Can you talk about it? I, I, yeah, it's, there's there's so many things these days with like non-disclosure agreements. Yeah. Um, what 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 am I doing? Uh, I don't know, but it's in 30 oh, minutes. So. I'm doing a uh, 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 animated feature about uh, animals in Africa. Oh. Have you ever done any of those big uh, Pixar things or anything like that? I uh, no, no Pixar. No Pixar. I did... Uh, Are you listening Madagascar? to Pixar? Phil Noir. I, I, yeah, I auditioned for Cars too, but I didn't, I didn't get it. I think you dodged a bullet. I pa- I, well, although... <laughs> yeah, that's what I heard. But I passed Jason Isaacs in the... Yeah, like I was going... When I was going into audition, he was coming out. Guy who often plays bad guy. Yes, and, he was yes. the bad guy in The Patriot with uh, Mel Gibson, and he was also Lucius Malfoy in the Harry Potter. And then oh, I always, right. and I always feel bad because then, like, in, TV in Black Hawk Down, he's in the ensemble of Black Hawk Down, but he's the guy who has a, a makes a wrong tactical call. So really? he's not in a, in a movie about heroes. He's the least <laughs> hero of the heroes. He's the one who makes a bad call. Like, it's a little edgy out there in the field. So when I saw him, I was like, oh, good. Jason Isaac's getting a turn at bat at being here. Oh, no, wait a second. Nope. He made a mistake in the field. <laughs> <laughs> and and you wonder, I mean, I'm sure he wonders too. It's like, is it me? Is there something about me where the, people just don't want to like me? <laughs> you know, it's like the guy, the bad guy in Pirates of the the, the Caribbean movies uh, is a great character actor. I, I wish I could remember his name right now, but like the guy seems to be can, uh, never it, can get. Is it Ian McShane? No, who was no, it? No, no, no. Ian McShane's Bill oh, wonderful. No, no, no. But he was also in a, what was the Eric Bana movie? Hannah. 
He was also the Fade German assassin in Hannah, if you saw that. But anyway, no, this guy, this guy just, he's a great character actor, but apparently, like, all he can get now are the bad guy roles. Well, Jason Isaacs has, uh, he's starring in an hour long case histories. This, he's starring in a season. romantic comedy sitcom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whoops, love with Jason Isaacs. <laughs> That's right. That's right. He's it's like, um, I'm going to get some of that Gerard Butler money if it fucking kills me. <laughs> no, no, yeah, Jen, Jen, hi. Jason Isaacs, Jen Anderson, how are you? We would be great together. In Daddy Daycare 2. <laughs> Jason Isaacs. That would be hilarious. Um, wait a minute, I've got an idea. We've got the kids. Why don't we just run our own daycare? <laughs> and then he does something evil and wrong in daycare. Ah, <laughs> oh, fuck. I, I, I want to, I think we just, Guinness should be here because that was the longest riff on Jason Isaacs that Jason Isaacs is ever going to have in his career. I hope he's listening because this was it, buddy. This was it. A three minute riff on you. I, this is your moment in the sun right here. Damn. We just got him as a listener. Oh, he just, oh, he just, oh, <laughs> just deleted. Well, uh, Phil Lamar, uh, thank you so much for coming down here. Uh, our, What's that? Just, we're just so lucky and honored to have no, you. No, my it's pleasure. Great. Thank you guys so much for inviting me. And it was kind of fun, actually, because you and I haven't seen each other for years, so I actually feel like you and I just caught up <laughs> over lunch, and I, I hope the listeners don't feel like, oh, we accidentally overheard a lunch. <laughs> that, I mean, I hope there was something felt a little more organic and present about it, but I certainly enjoyed catching up with you. Yes, so. likewise. Yeah, very good. Yeah. See well, thank you. And yes, Though you didn't ask anything about me. It was really a one-way lunch. Well, it's funny, it's funny cause I, cause I've been listening to the, to the podcast and I, I really want to go into that whole bathroom thing. Oh, oh the, yeah. Oh, it's sweet. I'll show you well, the see, text later on. Uh-oh, radio. Dan Sorry. manages to Gross answer questions <laughs> that have, Dan manages to answer questions that haven't been asked about himself in the podcast. Well, and, but, but I know many things now. Mm, I know that he, he, yep, can, that's he right. can't eat large sandwiches. He's yeah. in a relationship. No, 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 no. Oh, that's I, right. You unhinge. I, I, that's right. Yeah, thank you. Which is why you're in a relationship. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Ricardo. Let's close it up there. Phil, good luck at 2 o'clock with your work. Thank you. Thanks and for coming in. Are we going to keep going? Yeah, we're going to keep going right, for a little good, bit. Good. Yeah, all right. All right, We'll Phil. see you next time, Phil. Thank you so much. Cheerio. Great to see you. Uh-oh, I'm getting a hug. Thank you. Um, so, Marty, I wanted to... Um, oh, I just put the microphone in my mouth. Marty. <clears throat> Marty, I wanted to... Um, I wanted to play, we haven't done an alternative nooner in a while, and uh, there's this country music <laughs> nooner that I just absolutely love, uh, that Brad Stark, our San Francisco uh, genius, uh, wrote for. So, Jay, I know I didn't give you much uh, time there, but are uh, you ready to play? This is, this is, the, this is the country music uh, theme for nooner that we didn't use. What do you call it when every breath's a sigh? And what do you call it when you just can't go on? And you wish in the end would come sooner? Well, I pondered a question and I looked at the time And I said, well, it's 12 p.m. Let's call it a nooner. Damn it, Brett, I love that. What do you call it when your dreams have all died? 
nooner. <laughs> Our, <laughs> Our show. show. <laughs> Thank you, very little well, Brad Stark. Uh, uh, God damn it, I love his stuff when he sends it in. That was so nice that Phil, uh, Phil to stop by. He, just stop by as though he just, hey, Phil, stop by. Uh, no. As though the longed planned visit to right. Phil. And we've been waiting for him to. Uh, yeah, no, that was great to see him again. He's a real, he's a real trooper. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of you out there have actually heard his voice without knowing who he is. And now you know who he is and what sandwiches he loves. Yes. My, um, uh, no, go ahead, Marty. Um, no, I, I get to see him more because my niece and, and his son are really good friends. So, that, I mean, how old are they? 30. <laughs> 30. That's how old they're that really is. good pals. Yeah. Um, so, I was going to audition this morning, but I got caught in traffic uh, for this. Uh, Fluctuations. No, no, this is uh, the Food Network's next big star. Oh, thing. right. You'd yeah. be great at that. Marty, for yeah. those of you who don't know, I can't remember if you're talking about it, is a great cook, although sometimes he goes off on some crazy shit, but he's a really good cook. Really good cook. Um, so what happened? You got stuck in traffic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So but that's um, the second time today that you fucked over something by being late. I know. Hmm. I get in my own way. <laughs> and I still don't have Bring a laser printer. Oh, oh, hey, but fan, I, send in laser printer, Marty. Nobody sends in laser printer to you. No one. No one. <laughs> what? No way. But uh, I, th- I thought it'd be interesting to hear about your your game show experience with with Brad Stark. Yeah, Brad Stark and I auditioned for. Uh, we were just we were so broke and so high and d- didn't know what we were doing in the early 90s. And so we went and auditioned for Supermarket Sweep. And it, what, what was bothersome about it is that we didn't, we didn't go for something where we actually could have made a lot of money, because I do think we're reasonably smart folks and that sort of thing. We went for something where, at best, we got a couple hundred bucks in groceries or something like that, which would have been lovely at the time, because we were eating ramen noodles and that sort of thing. But at the same time, why didn't we go for the restaurant? I don't know. But... Well, what's the premise of the show? Well, I don't even know what the show. I mean, I think it was a relic from the nineties, but basically, it was kind of like a Price is Right, but in a supermarket. You would, you would um, try to guess the prices of things, and then what the fun was at the end, you would try to go, you'd run through a supermarket and try to put into your cart in teams of two, up, yes, with the most expensive shit that you could that you could get. So your cart would cost the most, and I then think you would get it. like the money, the monetary equivalent, something or something like, like that. that. And so the 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 tragedy of it is that Brad and I, he's very witty, and you know sometimes I can rise to the occasion similarly. And so he he and I worked on some fun patter because a lot of it, really, what they're doing is they're casting the show. They don't really care if you really know the prices or not. And I think we intrigued them as two you know, hipster 20-somethings. They were getting a lot of older women and that sort of thing. And we had this great patter worked out. So on the the first round of auditions, we did the pat, And we everybody was laughing. And they're, and they're looking for enthusiasm. Yeah. And, they, they and we want- had anecdotes and funny tales. And we, it's just, you know, when you're clicking, like you and I don't often do, but we're just like finishing each other's sentences perfectly. and really, Perfectly. Yeah. And, and, uh, we're like yeah. The, and we're like, we're like, you know, the other guy is staying out of the main guy's main way. Guy's way right? Yeah, that yeah, sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't happen here totally. a lot. Grateful for it when it does. Um, so <laughs> Brad, uh, so Brad and I were just having a perfect. It was going great. Loved it. So they said, "Okay, come back, and we're going to audition for round two to do the, to the same." We go back in for a new set of people, but it's higher ups, and it's like if we if we do this, we are on the fucking show, right? And it is it's sort of this magical, horrible through the looking glass experience. We do the same patter, the same things, but this time. We're stepping all over each other. <laughs> the anecdotes, none of them land. There's stony silence. It throws us into this vortex of hatred of ourselves. So by the end, we're just flop sweating, not a single <laughs> smile or laugh, and we, and we don't get on supermarket sweep. That's my memory of it. Though what's funny is as I was telling that story, I was suddenly having a memory of us actually 
you, being on the yeah, show. Yeah, you were on the show. But it, this is how this is how much I must have fucked my brain up in the nineties. <laughs> Did we actually record a show? Because all oh yes, I guess I remember is now this is the worst anecdote in the history oh, of man. I'm because, sorry I didn't prep you. No, because I because it. I think when I said that it was the second audition, which is what I had in my head, I it was think we show. Actually, it was actually the oh, goddamn that's right. show. That oh my god, this is now no wonder I buried this. I was psychically oh, harmed. Oh, you're sweating all, again. All the stuff that worked, the anecdotes and everything in the audition when we actually did the show, <laughs> we flop sweated. Oh, it's such a much better. I, all right, I forget that I ever told the previous anecdote, but yeah, I completely forgot. But you guys we, won money. We though. taped on the show and were the worst. No, we fell apart completely. Nobody laughed. We stepped on each other. You don't make money by making people laugh. No, I'm just saying that. People hated us. You could tell the crowd was not with us. They were rooting on the uh, the octogenarians and everything like that. I can't believe I thought it was still the audition. Yes, it was the show. We flopped horribly. We were not funny. We didn't make money. We didn't even get enough stuff in our cart. It was a disaster <laughs> and a very public one, I guess. The one that I buried in my head as just a callback. Oh, I just <laughs> so I, instead of failing in a call in, a, in an actual live right. on the air show, I failed in a callback. That's how I grappled with that psychologically. And it's now posted on YouTube. What? No. <laughs> oh, thank God. Yeah. yeah. Sorry about that, Brad. You must. If Brad's listening, and sometimes he does, he must be pretty upset that I was I was demoting our flop to uh, to to merely a callback flop instead of an actual tape show. It was a disaster, and I know the casting people probably were terribly upset. Oh, these guys—they're fantastic. I know they don't seem like the demographic of the show, but they're witty. They're funny. They're on it. They'll be great. Flop. Boom. Kind of like you and me every so often, right? This is so bad, it's funny. I know. Let's go back to that opening <laughs> comment. That was who was that from? Flutter. That was from Get My Flutter On. Get, get, hey man, you know what? You, you got to call a spade a spade, and you were you were right on about that. That was so bad. It was well. I appreciate actually that you say it was so bad that it was funny. I mean, and, and there is you get around to a compliment by the end of it <laughs> if you wait around long enough. If you leave through the really tough opening part of that, let statement. Dan just go, and then eventually he'll compliment himself. Get back. And Jay, I don't want you to be taking any of this to heart. If you're sitting over there and oh, taking no. it, well, actually, I want you to take some of it to heart. Don't be completely <laughs> cavalier about it. I mean, I'll, I'll be, take some of it. Here's here's the way I was I was th- hoping you'd answer was sort of like, thank you, but yeah, but yeah, but thanks. That was sort of where I was hoping it was going to land. <laughs> Are you? It's <laughs> now I'm getting daggers. <laughs> no, 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 can we die daggers? We should name the show "Afternoon of Failures." I, I just like I'm so worried. I'm actually in my head worried about what we said live mic over the. But I don't think it was anything bad. Uh, did, did did you hear anything bad there? No. No, just looking at. I don't, I don't think it's anything bad. Enough, nothing that can't be retracted or apologized for. And uh, we also we we weren't recording, so so oh, we never have so to worry about it be on iTunes. It's lost. Oh, so great! This was the great live lost extemporaneous lines that no one wanted to hear. Um, yeah. So anyway, all right. Hmm. Moving on. What's up, Marty? You didn't like Rise of the Planet of the Apes? No, 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 no. Clarification. Dan, who never says bad, anything bad no, about anything you know in Hollywood. I was, my expectations were too high. I, I did. I, it is a good movie. I didn't. I thought it was going to be the salvation of the summer by being the spectacular throwback to great summer movies of old, and it was just good. So the what what my disappointment in that uh, led to me being like, yeah, yeah, it was good. That's how I say it. When I when I thought going in, it's like, ah, oh, here's going to be the movie that like salvages an otherwise pretty crudtastic summer. Yeah, no, I liked it. Uh, I, I thought, like, but I hear what you're saying. It, it it sort of felt like, wouldn't it be cool if we took Planet of the Apes and then just wrote a story that fit every, like, 
every they, yeah resulting and, and you know I don't even have any complaint against it. I really just genuinely think my expectations were too through the roof. Yeah, and and especially after a summer of what I've considered kind of a cavalcade of disappointment, other like my career. <laughs> like this show like this um, show <laughs> but i still am so pissed off that you you have a movie that's in uh about san francisco about scientists in a lab and there are no chinese people i thought you were gonna say no gays and there are no gays either mm, i, I, I could have gotten bd wong and crossed both off the list <laughs> yeah, i know how hard would that have been <laughs> you could have gotten bd and the whole diversity thing actually i don't even know if he's gay or not are you kidding Nah, I mean, you know, he hadn't told me. <laughs> Until I am told. When we in were in writing or in When person. we were at the bathhouse, he didn't tell me what? that. He Rude. Was... When we were at Tang's getting a sandwich. <laughs> um, I mean, Langer's. Um, oh, boy. Yeah, but uh, I, I I guess you're right. There weren't any Asians in Rise of Planet Apes. How hard? And not even that. extras at the lab. Do you know that? Let's I, comb, I did. Oh, no, we'll comb the film. I did. I saw it. I, I'm surprised at that because I, and I'm not, this is going to sound like I'm, cause I'm, uh, this next Tuesday, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm my partners, uh, Rob Thomas, who created the show. We are reshooting, uh, our Fox pilot from the spring, uh, for Fox called Little in Common and with Rob Cordry and Kevin Art and Gabrielle Union and Alana Yubach and we just cast Heather Graham. And Biddy Wong. Uh, no, no, we don't want any Asians in the show. Um, so, and Heather Graham, we just cast the other night. So we're reshooting that on Tuesday. And Fox is like, has been, I mean, really genuine, sincerely, aggressive about diversity not just because our script required it but generally all in the way so i'm surprised that that wasn't a part of the thinking matrix of 20th century fox the the motion picture company gotcha yeah because it does seem to be a genuine concern what's the the show about again the show is about here's the thing is this is a this is a good story about how to how to sell a pitch and and by us i mean rob really really did this but like the 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 network wanted a show about uh they wanted a show about a family comedy about parents where the inn was little league and I think Rob, you know, went away and we talked about it a little bit. And so, and then, and kind of this was the angle that we thought was really interesting was, and, and this is Rob's experience who is married and has kids, lives in Austin. And, and so much more his experience than mine, but it really resonated with him was that, you know, as you get older and, and find yourself in that situation, a lot of times you no longer get to pick your friends like you did in, in college where you're picking people according to interests and pursuits and all right, that. Right. You, you, your friends are picked for you because, because of circumstance, namely in this case, because all your kids become friends. So you have to figure out a way to become friends with these other people. Right. And we thought that, that was a really interesting way to like give, to have it not just be sit, I mean, yes, it is going to be a, a funny comedy, single camera comedy, but it has got something to it. And the more we talked about with people in that situation, like, yeah, you know, you do have to, you, these people become in your, come into your lives and you have to figure out a way to enjoy the time with them. And because often you do. Yeah. Cause right. so all the birthday parties. Yeah. And, and Rob kind of said that Rob came up with the title and he kind of said it as a, a joke because normally we don't do pun titles, but being there was about the kids are all in little league at, at the show. He, he came up with little in common and, but that, really is a great title in this case that title really felt good and and we've taken some some hits on deadline hollywood daily about like what seems like the the casting of the crazy african-american family the crazy some stereotypic but in fact it's not at all it's about like different people coming together on different wavelengths and we're sort of making the use great use of the great comedians who are on board you know so i i have high hopes for the show we'll be reshooting it on tuesday for two weeks which and, and i'm not saying this is a sign-off but just so everybody knows all of you out there the next two weeks, we're going to be replaying um, two shows from when we were do our guest hosts on on uh, Get Jobs. We're gonna, next week, uh, John August, uh, the John August show, the great screenwriter. It's that is a, a it's great, a really he good was, show. He, if, if you all haven't heard it, he gives the secret of uh, success in Hollywood. You know, he's he, he is a he is a great 
uh, mentor, uh, and, and I mean that, I mean, well, he's, he's a friend and colleague and not specifically my mentor, but a mentor to people. He's fantastic at it. So that's a terrific show. And then the following week is Joe Latrulio, wonderful, uh, actor, comedian, uh, things like Wet Hot, uh, American Summer. And then he'll, he's, he's starring in the show Paul. Free Agents and Paul, and he's showing in the NBC comedy Free Agents. So those are going to be the next two weeks. They are the reruns from Get Jobs, but they're very fun and Wait, potent didn't, shows. Didn't and then John we'll be back and, sort of mentor you on that script that you wrote? Uh, John August? Yeah. Well, I wasn't saying that, I mean, it's hard to call someone who's a friend and call it, we've never, I mean, I wrote something once and he kindly offered me notes on it, but that would, so. Can, I, can we talk about that script? No, I the really, script was terrible. I liked I it. It was kind I mean, of, it's embarrassing. All right. Was, Wait, are you talking really about good. my horror script? No, 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 the White House script. Oh, that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I, y- yes, you're right, actually, I, you are absolutely right. John was a part of a screenwriting lab that my screenplay was uh, uh, won the competition to be a part of, and so yes, he did offer me some mentor notes on that on that script. Um, and what was the script? I, I really liked it. I thought, um, I thought it was, it was really called. Uh, now it just sounds fucking stupid. First it son. It was called First Son, and it was about like the the son of president who 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 you know it's a romantic comedy. Son of the president who turns out to be gay. Now I feel stupid for having written it. What? It's it was great for the time. It would have been perfect. Yeah, it was prescient. Mm, I don't know why. <laughs> no, because it was like it was Rick it, Perry's. But the, but the the the, the non strategic problem with writing that in 1996 was it was written as a 70 million dollar studio comedy, which nobody was going to make. You know, one one company did want to make it for a million dollars, but they wanted to be rewrite it for the like son of a governor and have it all take place in one room. And I just couldn't get my head around the the stage play for son, so I I bailed on that. Um, yeah, but it was first son. But it was very funny and it was very well written. Thank you, Marty. Thank you for um, recalling. I actually thought there were some good moments in it. And frankly, I do think there is a, a funny uh, something in it. I just don't know that it's a you know it's a big nobody's going to spend a good time on that. So. Um, do you want to hear a horrible tweet from uh, Brad Stark in San Francisco? Well, I I think we should take the good with the bad, though. I mean, uh, uh, being it's I, I'd rather it was the bad from someone we didn't know because then we'd be grappling with honest criticism. With with Brad, we do know. Okay, sure. Horrible tweet from Brad. Dan's revised memory of our supermarket sweep experience is a fever dream. It was a callback audition, not a taping. Fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Welcome to noon, Aaron. Wait a second. It's a, two hours of lies. It's two hours of, <laughs> of never happened anecdotes. <laughs> no, anecdotes. Okay, well, here's the problem is I told the story. You are the one who said it was a taping. But then, no, I, you said, I think it, no, we I, taped it. And I, there were other people I, here, they heard, I told I know, the story. But you said, said I think we taped it. No, and no, no, I said, no. I think you did. No, and I said, well, in my mind, and then you went, you goaded me into lying. This is why we can't I got trust. an epic asshole now, I Marty. Be, I you goaded me into it. I told the story right. And then you said, no, change the story. Because this is how it happened. I my should be a lawyer. Easy, impressionable memory. I, could be, I, I had to revise the whole story. It's ridiculous. Jesus Christ, nobody's going to trust any anecdote that I tell anymore. The other day, I was chatting with Barack Obama. <laughs> Name dropper. Um, all right. Well, thanks, Brad, for the correction. Because honestly, and this is what is scary, that this is, this is why you should never go to a rave, is honestly, right now, I cannot remember whether it was a callback or we taped the show live, and even though we've talked about it. So I don't remember. I do remember we did it again, and it was a horrible flop sweat. I don't remember who. The whole memory thing's gone together. I hope it's not proto-Alzheimer's, with all due respect to those who may suffer from that out there. Marty, what's next? Um, hold on just a second. Hold on just a second. Uh, Mark Presley wants to know um, 
Phil Lamar, what's your favorite voice to do? <laughs> Thank you for oh. asking Mark Presley. Oh, he's um, doing Marcel Marceau. <laughs> Actually, this is, this is Phil Lamar who's been doing Dan Etheridge for the last 15 minutes. <laughs> and it is, is his favorite. It's a miraculous job. Yeah. Yes, and I must say so. Jay, was that a cigarette you were smoking earlier? Uh, it's an electronic cigarette. Okay. I just want to, because I did, actually, like, for, I, when I glanced over, I thought you were getting high. And what, what flavor are you that, working that, on? That's, that happens in the back room. Uh, but, but not here. Not here at the, not here at the Lovitz. What, what flavor are you, are you rocking it's, there? Uh, Cinnabon. <laughs> and, and, I didn't know they got and so, how much, esoteric. Cinnabon? How much nicotine are you, are you getting there? It's, uh, 18 milligrams of nicotine inside. And, and how high can it get to? Uh, you only really want to take it up to 36. So oh, you're, no, you're no, halfway no, there. To 40. Go to 40, man. What happens if you go to 40 or 45? I mean, you can give yourself nicotine poisoning. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty yeah, asked yeah. and answered. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Fair, Cina, I love that there's that specific, uh, like, McNugget. That's the uh, hmm, fresh prune. That uh, would be great. Do you have any movie plans this weekend? No, you know what I'm mean? going to see my dad. I hope he's feeling better. And uh, and then I'm going to sit on the beach for most of the weekend. That's my plan. Uh, Nick, the dentist, is off on a family vacation in Michigan for two weeks, so I, I, got, I got nothing. I'm alone. I'm do, alone. Do you have a, a book to read? Do I have a book to read? Oh, what are you going to do on the beach? We, yeah, you, you, you lie down. You read. You jump in the right. water. Okay. You frolic. Well, I'm going to frolic. On the read part? I'm going to frolic What would you beach. read? If I were to read, I'd probably uh, read New Yorker magazine. Oh yeah, yeah, you know, erudite. That's what. Mm-hmm. I mean. right. Or you would ha- you would have one up. All right, if as, we've gotten as, down, as, to- as people were walking by, you're like, I'm reading the New Yorker. <laughs> this week. Well, that was. I do admit, like one time I went down to because uh, for those of you who, who've never been on a on a gay beach on a holiday weekend, it is the most daunting, horrible thing you could possibly do because everybody out there is looking fucking fantastic. So if you, as I'm just an average guy, you go out there, it's a nightmare. It's like, th- I was on Laguna Beach, you're a thousand guys on, on 4th of July and I thought, and I already was feeling like, you know, it makes you feel bad about yourself, which is horrible because I don't, I like thinking about that shallow, but you just you do like all the chiseled Adonises and you're just, and then I brought out my Lyndon Johnson presidential biography to me. <laughs> and it was, it was literally, I think I cleared like, ex- like a 20 yard <laughs> circle around me of un, like, oh, other people had US magazine like that, me, so I brought up. It's called Us magazine. Oh, <laughs> again, again. <laughs> You, <laughs> other people re- were reading Dan's Pete Piopoli. Dan's trying to be a fit in. He's like, have you read this? No, I love that. Have you read the latest issue of US? Right. This Jennifer A. Nystin <laughs> is so pretty. So you could see my issue, bringing out the 400-page LBJ bio. <laughs> no one spoke to me the entire day. Well, Dan, you are 10 pounds closer to fabulous. I, hey, I don't need to be. You know why? Because Nick is okay with me reading presidential biographies. <laughs> But he's fine with that. And he's fine with me calling U.S. Magazine. Mm-hmm. He is. <laughs> Damn it. Or uh, I can't believe U.S. Ma- oh, he has a fabulous body, sweating. by the way. I read TV Guide. <laughs> it's called Gide. 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 Um, um, well, I think we've, when we've come down to like my reading habits on the beach, we've probably hit the bottom of the barrel of talk <laughs> topics. <laughs> so why don't we, why don't we wrap this oh, wait, up? Okay, wait, we've got three, three tweets. If they're legitimate, if they're just people, uh, who, 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 uh, 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 asking Phil Lamar questions, let's not answer them. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, here's from one from Josh Parham 
Okay. Uh, Dan's script sounds like a really interesting film. Thank you, Josh. Are you rich? <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking for equity investors. Yes. You can be an executive producer. Um, all right. Well, I think that's going to be it for uh, this. Unless you did you see you had three tweets, but two of them I think were eliminated by dint of. Sensicality. Uh, yeah. Um, all right. Well, look, we, we do hope that you tune in for, uh, for, for John August next week. Joel Truly. We will be back in September with a raft of awesome guests, live shows, and not true, true anecdotes. Non, not, non-anecdotes. Non-anecdotes, which we like to tell you. Um, so Marty, thanks a lot. Don't ever be late again. Uh, <laughs> Jay <laughs> and, uh, everybody else. Yeah, everybody, I mean, how clear was it in that moment that I had forgotten the both your names? And I apologize for that, but I just At least- met you so briefly before the show, but thank you to you. And thank you to you. <laughs> Dan um, is pointing to non-existent people. Yes. Thank you to all 30 people here listening and loving the show. The live studio That's audience. Awesome. Uh, so we will, we'll be back live in three weeks. Uh, have a great rest of your summer. All right. Out. <laughs> when it's time for lunch, you can pick up a spoon or grab your fork body and dig into a Nuna. It's Nuna with Dan and Marty. If you never had a Nuna, well, there's no sugar way. Just bend over at the middle in the middle of the day. It's a Nuna. It's a Nuna with Marty and Dan. This has been a production of Smodcast Internet Radio.